Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is Thursday, September the 24th, 2020. It's another technical off podcast. I hope we find you well. My microphone's all over the place. I've been. Every time I stand up these days, I'm just ramming my head off of my microphone. Let me just get that all back in place. There we go. It's another technical off podcast. Got another great show lined up for you today. I hope. As I said, you're all doing well. Uh, fair amount to talk about today. Another banger week for uh, for some news. That's always good. Makes our job that much easier. But before we jump into that, of course, there are far more important things to do. Like, asking Mr. Black. Mr. Black! How was your yeah. week? Uh, same old same. Ah. Tomorrow... Tomorrow I'm going to to the dentist. Okay, it's the first time in a while. So, and I know, uh, one of my fillings like fell out. Yikes! This was like almost a month ago. So I'm definitely gonna need at least one filling. Uh, so anyway, uh, I doubt they'll do that tomorrow. They'll probably like schedule me for another one. But I'm just going in for a cleaning and a checkup. But I know it's it ain't gonna be good. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. So uh, I got that tomorrow morning. So that's that's exciting. Amazing. Um, yeah. Uh, Max isn't doing so hot. Uh, he is old. Max he is, is old. He's losing some weight. He's not eating food. Uh-oh. His teeth are falling out. His hair is falling out. He's making a whole lot of noise. And uh, he's just not himself. So we come Monday, if he's not feeling starting to feel a little better, I'm going to take him to the vet and see what's going on or if this is nearing the end of the road for him but uh he ain't he ain't looking good bro he's starting he's starting to look like when milo came uh in the house and he was super and salty he, and he was super salty and stressed but you know and milo's kind of hanging around with him a lot more and like he just there's something going on it ain't you know it ain't it ain't good so sounds uh, like old age yeah so he's like 12 he's probably about 12 years old now uh so I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that, but I kind of feel bad for him. I, I do feel bad for him. Of course. Because uh, he's uh, he's just not eating, and he's you can tell he's not comfortable, and we've tried. Uh, Kayla's, like, cut up a bunch of, like, minced up some tuna and stuff, and he ate just, like, a little bit of it, but he won't eat much. We give him, like, really, like, uh, liquidy uh, food anyway, and he's just not touching it. Um, he's drinking water, which is good. That's about it, and um, yeah, it's just not good. So yeah, that could be we'll see what happens. That could be oh my god, the list of stuff that could be. But yeah, well, we'll wait and see. But he is getting up there, and he was never, he was never the healthiest looking cat in the world to begin with. He was, I think, I think <laughs> if there was like an embodiment of a cat that just held every ounce of hatred in the world, uh, <laughs> yeah. that was that, that was Max. So we'll hope we'll hope for the best for Max. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it sounds like. Uh, I could, God, it could be a thousand and one things, but we'll wait and see uh, what happens there. Um, I too had a pretty standard week. I didn't really do too much. I just streamed and slept and streamed and slept and played League of Legends and then stopped. Because just like every other cycle of League of Legends, when you get back into it, you're like, you know, the, there's a, there's the, the various stages, like you have, uh, 
you know, you're excited to get back into it because you remember that you actually liked the game itself. And then, like, you, you can ignore the fact that everyone is, a, 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 like, a spiteful asshole uh, mm. every time you play the game. And then you start muting some people. But then they're, like, pinging the map like crazy. Then you mute the pings. Then you realize that you can't coordinate with your team because you've literally muted all forms of communication in a five-man team. Uh, and, uh, and so you have to go back to turning that shit on. And then you, you, just, you have to live with all the nonsense. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it slowly grates away your very soul until you stop playing. And it only took me about four days. You know what? That's, that's a good run. That's a good run with League of Legends. Solid four run. days. It's a solid run. You put in some long hours on those four days. It was, uh, uh, the last two days we won, I think two games or three Oof. in almost 20 hours worth of playing in those Oof. two days. Um, we lost our lane, I think, twice in two days. And uh, our teammates, on the other hand, won their lane uh, somewhere between three and five times in two days. We, it did not matter who I was dueling with or if I was by myself. It does, does not matter. It was crap. And then by the time that I started doing, I, I do it with, with uh, AOs for the first time in four years. And, uh, when I was doing it with him, we actually managed to get somewhat competent teammates. But by that time I was such a shell of a man Mm. and I was on autopilot that I played like dog shit. I was the one fucking up and feeding. I went from having 80% of master's level of efficiency with Thresh, who's my main to going Oh five and Oh in the first 10 minutes of uh, the last one of the last two games I played in the last day, oh. and I said, you know what? I said it out loud. We won the game anyway because Aos carried uh, carried the jungle. Um, but I said, uh, I said out loud. I said that didn't even feel like a win because I'm just here on autopilot and I just sucked a massive dick. It wasn't good at all, and I just I checked out. I was done. League of Legends is officially off the table for another good long while. So I hopped into No Man's Sky yesterday because they just got their latest. Uh, big update that they were teasing last week. And uh, once again, great update, big update, and looks great, runs great, uh, and I enjoyed myself with No Man's Sky all over again. And so I'm probably going to play that in my off time in between games that I'm uh, I'm reviewing. Uh, they added all sorts of shit, like volcanoes and lightning storms, tornadoes, new weather systems on all the uh, on all the worlds, they added a few billion more planets because they didn't want to change with all the new environmental stuff they did. They didn't want to change the planets that currently existed that players had because mm. they didn't want the bases to get destroyed mm. or fucked up. So they just added planets to the systems the players were already in so that they could experience the new shit without their current stuff uh, being dumpstered. Because some people have been building some wildly crazy and amazing buildings uh, with the base building tools they've been given, so they didn't want to fuck that up. But anyway, I played that. It was fun. Other than that, yeah, same shit. Waiting for my uh, my bed to arrive. That's a long way away. Waiting for my chair to arrive. That's an even longer way away. And so I'm still sitting in my $80 chair on two pillows and a dream. <laughs> Waiting for that to come through. But enough of that, Jeff. Video games! But before video yes. games, hit the like button! And comment. First hour, bell gang, hit the bell on YouTube. Do yourself a favor, and by you, I mean do us a favor. Uh, because it does go a long, long way in helping us break free 
of the shackles of mm. YouTube's algorithm by having the most engagement in that opening hour because YouTube's algorithm goes, oh, hey, the actual community of this, of this content creator is engaged. It must be a good video. Therefore, I will allow the rest of the universe to maybe have a chance at seeing it. <laughs> and so hit the like button and leave a comment. Some people have the idea. They like it. They leave a comment that's a placeholder. And then after they watch it, they go Ooh. back and they edit the comment Ooh. for what like they've it. seen. I like it. I'm seeing more and more people who listen to this on Spotify and like iTunes and stuff coming to the video anyway just to like and comment despite the fact that that is not their original platform and you guys are heroes. But now it's time, Mr. Black, talk about video games because we had a, a decent amount to talk about and I kind of front-loaded some of the lower-end news and then we're going to ramp into some of the big dick swing news towards the end of this segment. So starting off, uh... Remember Beyond <coughs> Beyond Good and Evil 2? Yes. That's a video game. Uh, they they uh, showed that off at, at E3 last year, and everyone was excited because they were like, holy shit, we haven't heard about this game in development now for fucking forever. We thought it was dead. Well, then it went back away for a while, and we didn't see any of it at the, at the, uh, the Ubisoft event that just transpired here not long ago. People were like, where the hell is, is this? The only thing we heard about it was Ubisoft saying, hey guys, guess what? We've got, we've got quadruple A games coming. And you know what mm. one of those quadruple A games are? Beyond Good and Evil 2. The game that's been stuck in development hell for nigh a decade and that we can't seem to fucking put out any information for. But hey, it's a quadruple A game. Well, unfortunately for uh, for them, Michael Ansel, who was the creator of Rayman, Rabbids, and Beyond Good and Evil, all for Ubisoft, and who had been there and in the industry for 30 years, decided that uh, the video game industry, dumpster fire. And he had put in his tenure... And wanted to get the fuck out. And so he did. And he did what any sensible person would do. He got as far away from the video game industry as possible by going on to work at a wildlife sanctuary. Okay. Why All not? Right. Why not? Uh, he's living the dream, bro. He's already he's put in his time, he's made his money, and now he's gonna go work with some fucking animals for the rest of his life. That's what he's gonna that's what he's gonna do. Sounds like a man that's got his priorities set straight. Absolutely. And he, knows what he wants. He's just going to live his best life. Abs fucking absolutely smart fucking man. Uh, so they they did a release. Obviously, when he left, they did a release about Beyond Good and Evil specifically because, as the creator of Beyond Good and Evil, people probably imagined that him leaving was probably not great news for Beyond Good and Evil too. Uh, they wanted to make sure that everyone knew, and he himself also wanted to remind people that he didn't necessarily have uh, any major involvement in Beyond Good and Evil 2 as of late, which means they probably knew he was leaving for quite some time now, and he shifted away from the project. But they were saying, hey, look guys, we just, we know you want information, we just passed another internal milestone... And we're looking forward to showing you guys more information about Beyond Good and Evil 2 after we pass our next internal milestone sometime next year. So we're not going to see anything from Beyond Good and Evil, theoretically, until Til next year. sometime next year. We don't know if it's the early in the year, late in the year, sometime in the year, probably 
uh, just before or during E3, or or maybe if we're lucky sometime in the new year. But uh, but yeah, we're not getting anything from Beyond Good and Evil until next year. So if you're looking forward to that, tough shit. Gonna have to wait for uh, for the next internal milestone to be reached. Whatever that means. They no no further details. They're just saying internal miles, uh, milestone and that uh, it provides hours of fun gameplay. Okay. Which Better than not fun gameplay. A quadruple A game? I'm Better. Gonna... <laughs> I'm starting to think that this quadruple A shit is just uh, a, a hus to uh, to get you to buy old titles that you typically wouldn't really give two fucks about. I, I don't. I, I don't know. I don't get this. Um, I I can only think that. I mean, it's a marketing tool. I mean, AAA, AAA was like a, uh, just a title given to games that, so that you had an understanding that this was a game that a a major developer was putting a lot of time and money into to make the game. It was like, it was a distinctive difference between that and an indie developer, uh, or even like, let's say a, a B ranking developer under a publisher making a game that isn't necessarily indie but it got the money to make something that wasn't quite the full-blown triple a grand theft auto experience so whatever like we said before if grand theft auto 5 is triple a then whatever the sweet and sour merciful fuck (laughs) quadruple a is going to be Better blow my fucking mind. It better be the greatest thing literally ever made. And apparently, according to Ubisoft, I think they had four of those bad boys in process right now. Okay. Four bigger and better than Grand Theft Auto games coming from Ubisoft in the not-too-distant future. So get ready for that. Uh, Just to put a note on this uh, before we move on to the next piece, and not that it already isn't kind of apparent that Beyond Good and Evil 2 is in some development hell trouble, because it has been now for a long time already. But they did list that they pulled in the help from another Ubisoft studio, the branch in Paris, to help work on this. And they listed and linked in the article, or the thing that they, the, the, the post that they put up, the hiring page, because they are still hiring for positions to work on this game. Hmm. None of that, after the amount of time this game has already been in some sort of production, strikes me as a positive marker for where the game is, is currently at or what will come of it. Uh, but we will wait and see, I guess, uh, next year when we see the next whatever it is that's going to be. So we will wait with bated breath. Next up, we've got, uh, speaking of old games, Jeff, mm-hmm. Metal Gear Solid. The original Metal Gear Solid is uh, rumored to be uh, in progress or in process of being completely remade, not a remaster per se, but a remake entirely, uh, as an exclusive for the PlayStation 5, with the following three games in the series being remastered, not remade, but remastered, to go along with it. It's a rumor, but I'm going to say this right now, that sounds... Crazy likely, <laughs> given yeah. what we've been seeing in the industry in general. Yeah. Would you be interested in that? I, I'm not even a Metal Gear fan, but the, having yeah. the original Metal Gear Solid remade, which was a NES game, having that be redone 
and retold in like the style that they redid Resident Evil 2, I think might be pretty dope. I don't, I definitely don't hate the idea. I definitely do not hate the idea. Mm. I'm for it. I'm for it. Am I going to run out and and buy it? Probably not. But um, you never know. It's one of those things that if it looks cool enough, it might be something that I could pick up. Absolutely. I think it would be cool if they, not that they're likely to do this, but I think it would be cool if they remastered, if they redid that one, remade it, and then actually included in a bundle the following three as the remake's done, like the upgrades or whatever, upgraded versions of them, just put it in a bundle. Call it hmm. the, 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 like, call it some sort of like call epic a, name thing. A solid bundle. Yeah. So <laughs> just a solid bun. Just a solid, <laughs> solid bun. Just Get a Jeff a marketing bun. job. The solid bun. Please. Coming soon to I'm a PS5 <laughs> near you. Hey, everyone wants a good solid bun. <laughs> or a pair of them. Or a pair of them. That'll, that'll work too. Good pair, you know, good solid buns. Uh, so that comes via a rumor uh, at Red Gaming Tech. Uh, but like I said, yeah, it all seems pretty likely. I mean, we're seeing so many, especially when you get a new generation of consoles. One of the easiest things to be done. Well, I mean, it's not easy to completely remake a game necessarily, but it is uh, a, uh, more often than not an easy choice to go back for the nostalgia grabs to get the attention to the new console. Metal Gear is like as attached to. You know, ironically, despite the original being a NES game, it's as attached to Sony as you could possibly get, and so yeah. doing something like that makes sense. Uh, next up in more remasters, because that's like at least 50% of the gaming market right now, Near Replicant, which is the original Near title, but, okay, so I'm going to try and explain this. So there was Near, and then there was Near Replicant, which was an updated version of the original Near but was only or exclusively available in Japan. Okay. So the updated version of the original that was exclusively available in Japan is being remastered for next year. They showed okay. some off of the Tokyo game uh, game show, uh, I think today or, ye- or yesterday. Um, and so it's an updated version or a remaster of the updated version of the original game, Near Replicant. It's coming next year uh, and is updated in, like, I mean, obviously graphically it's getting a boost, uh, of course, but the majority of it comes, from what I've seen so far, comes from the combat being completely overhauled. So it's it's essentially taken the Nier Automata, which is the more recent game that came out a few years ago, uh, it's taking like the combat it in. from that and shoving it into the old one for the remaster. So you're getting the updated visuals... It's not completely remade, but it is bumped up. So you get the updated visuals and whatnot, whatever they wanted to do there on the visual audio side. And then you're getting the combat from Nier Automata, give or take, with completely redone, rebuilt animations and the ability to swap weapons like you could in Automata, etc., etc. So uh, that's... I mean, Nier is a very extremely popular game that became popular almost as an originally a niche, and then Automata blew it up, especially in the West. And so a lot of people are super excited about this, and it comes along with news of also a Nier mobile game that's coming up, uh, Mm. as well as a slew of, like, statues for the characters and a collector's edition that comes with all sorts of shit, whatever... All manner of stuff. Any way you want to see that sweet, sweet anime 
ass and titties that is the near series they've got you covered whether you want a, a statue of ass and titties or the game with ass and titties uh while mm. it talks about existential crises and dread and the the oft revisited uh nature of 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 is artificial intelligence any different from real intelligence etc etc all painted with anime ass and titties they've got you covered and the statues to their credit Perfect. look really really good i mean when when Japan goes big on their collectibles, they go big. They go big on those collectibles. So there you go. For all you Nier fans out there, you will have a slew, and you probably already know it, but a slew of shit uh, available for you coming next year. <clears throat> uh, next up in news and in games that nobody asked for or will ever want to actually play, Cobra Kai, despite being a phenomenal success uh, first on YouTube and then blew up on Netflix, is getting a video game. And they have a trailer for it. I don't have it posted here. Jeff, if you want to search it, you can if you want. Uh, but it looks like the top comment, I think, on the video, if I'm not mistaken, it was one of the top three, perfectly surmises exactly what it is. They said, the, top, the comment was, this looks like one of the fake video games they would be playing on a television show in the background. <laughs> and it is a super accurate description that is exactly uh, what it fucking looks like it looks terrible it looks like a game that was uh, a fucking mobile game from a decade ago it looks atrocious and you can tell it's really good because over 50 percent of the actual trailer is just footage from the tv show so there you have it Cobra Kai, if you are looking for a place to waste your money, and I say that liberally, waste your money. It's coming up. Get your hands on it. Go watch the trailer. It's a good laugh. At the very least, you'll have a giggle. Uh, however, the series, pretty good. And there are worse things you could watch. So, Cobra Kai. Next up, now we're getting into some of the more... Uh, you know what? I'm going to hold on to that one because I have some other stuff thrown in here, and then we'll do the two big dicks back-to-back. Okay. Among Us 2. So Among Us, Jeff, pretty popular on Twitch right now. Pretty popular. And by that, I mean it took Fall Guys and yeeted it into the sun and quickly overtook it as the flavor of the month. Yes. Uh, Now, Among Us 2, which is essentially a glorified version of the classic in-person get-hammered-and-play-game Mafia, uh, has done gangbusters on Twitch. And this is a game that's been like two years in the making. Really, uh, in terms of it already having existed for quite some time, but just for whatever reason, you know, it only takes one or two streamers to get on that train, and then it just fucking blows up. And so, selling bajillions of copies has made them uh, run back on Among Us 2, which was announced barely a month ago. (laughs) And they said, you know what? No longer happening. You know what we're going to do? We're going to update the current, which is already doing enormous numbers. And so why would you remake or make a new game when you can just update the current one, which is absolutely the right move for them because they will make way more money doing it this way. And it will make people happier because it means they don't have to move on to another game. Uh, It just so happened that it blew up. Yeah, exactly. It just blew up the way that it did. And it's a phenomenal use of, uh, of that publicity. It's probably going to be like Fall Guys. They're going to have this little tight window to just maximize the shit out of it. Yep. And that's what's going to happen. Uh, so good on them. And congratulations to the team. 
and just another example of what Twitch as a platform is capable of doing for the sale of video games. I mean, huge, huge, it is, it is almost the thing that drives sales of video games now, uh, especially indie games or like party games and things of that nature. The stuff that like when you can get multiple streamers on board, all going at the same time, yeah. that just drives it through the roof. You know, the triple A stuff is going to sell on its own, regardless of who's playing it on Twitch. But when you get something like among us or fall guys that without Twitch's existence would unlikely do anything more than pretty small numbers. Yeah. People see it. They see the people having fun and it just fucked to the moon real quick. Uh, and so congrats to, uh, to the among us devs for, uh, for stumbling upon that, uh, two years deep into the game's release. Uh, and then next up after that, before we hop into, uh, some of the bigger stuff is, uh, NVIDIA, of course, so last week we talked about how there was the initial release of the new graphics card information, but it was all NVIDIA stuff that was releasing it. So it was NVIDIA showing NVIDIA benchmarks, showing the cards in the best possible fucking light imaginable. This week we got the 3080 into the hands of reviewers who actually got to put the card through its paces in real world, actual gaming and application uh, scenarios, and so we've we've got some feedback from that. As it turns out, the 3080 is indeed a big dick card, and it does big dick things. The only problem with it, uh, which is exacerbated if you step up to the 3090, which we'll talk about momentarily here, is that you need to have a CPU to keep up with it. Mm. Unless you're playing 4K, which uses less CPU and more GPU, high refresh rate, especially something like 1080p, and even in uh, in some cases with 1440p, so people doing like, you know, gamers doing uh, 1080p 240 hertz or 1080p mm-hmm. 144 or 1440p 144, more CPU. And if you don't have like the top end Intel, I'm not talking AMD, fucking AMD right now. That's not who you're going to pair these cards with unless you're playing 4K gaming. You're going to want for the 3080 and 3090 the top-end Intel, because even those bottleneck the 3090, and in some cases the 3080, in lower-resolution scenarios if you're trying to push high frame rates. So just a heads-up, it is not a, uh, a you know, one-size-fits-all type shit right now for graphics cards. Graphics cards have now officially outpaced... The CPUs? The CPUs to the point where a lot of the market is more interested in lower resolution, higher frame rate than they are big frame rates at 60 FPS. Yeah. Uh, And so we have to kind of wait now for the CPU market to play a bit of catch up. That being said, I mean, if you're stepping up from a 10 series or even a low, like a 2060 or something, there's no reason that you wouldn't necessarily, if you wanted to, step into a 3080 or whatever they're going to come up. The 3070 is probably going to be the best bang for your buck, but that's fine. However, the one thing I do want to talk about is the 3090. Unless you are rendering, I'm just going to say this, unless you are rendering production video for YouTube in the order of somewhere between 10 and 20 plus videos a month in 4K 
with very elaborate timelines with effects and transitions and lower thirds and stuff that's really normally punishing that would either A, slow down your rendering time, or B, cause Adobe uh, programs or whatever to crash out on you and have failure rates uh, for encoding like we used to get way back in the day, Jeff. Mm-hmm. It still happens. It's just, you know, you have to really push the cards. Um, don't buy that card. So NVIDIA, the difference between the 3090 and the 3080 in a lot of applications for gaming is 10 to 15%, but it costs over 100% more money. So it is not a, it is not something you buy to do gaming. No. You don't. You work at Pixar. You, 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 you are literally doing endless 4K video editing or some other application that requires an extraordinary amount of VRAM. Uh, and if you don't, then don't fucking bother. And the other problem with this is that you, you're still not getting the full dick of the 3090. You're only getting, Mm, you know, the, 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 you're just, you're getting the whiskey dick because Mm. NVIDIA has intentionally hamstrung the drivers for the 3090 as to not cannibalize the sale of the Titan series and the workhorse actual workstation cards that they will inevitably release to do the work we're talking about right now. So while it is still better than a 20 series card for doing your, your video editing work, if you want the real gains coming up, you're going to pay more money but it will be orders of magnitude, likely orders of magnitude faster. And so don't pull the trigger if you're in that category right now, unless you desperately need it. I would wait or grab a 3080 if you even can, because it's sold out fucking everywhere, and then sell it and move into, into an actual workstation card in the future. Do not mm. fuck with a 3090. Just do, do not. It would be arguably worse than the 2080 Ti purchase. I'm not even fucking with you. So, if you're gaming, 3080... you're saying that my 20 Ti purchase was bad, Adam? And mine. And I bought it for a tax write-off, and it was still a bad fucking purchase. Bought bought mine like two months ago. (laughs) Salty. Um, Definitely just stick with a 3080. And even then, again, make sure you have a big dick CPU if you plan on really getting the most out of the card. Otherwise, you don't necessarily need to jump right into it and fight with everyone to buy one right now. Because it is a fight. People are literally fucking, like, at each other's throats online right now, constantly on social media about bots and everything else, and it's a complete shit show. So just Mm. fucking ride this bad boy out. Yes, they're very good cards, and the 30XX series is going to be spectacular and a massive step forward. But know that it comes with caveats. Comes with a price. Also a higher power bill because the 3080 or the 3090, I think this this is a 3090, 350 watts. Damn. Just on its own. And when Linus was doing testing, it pushed up to like 370 some watts. Just for the graphics card. Ready for an extra $20 a month, boys. (laughs) That power bill. You're also going to want a hydraulic jack to keep it up in your case because it weighs about 14 tons. (laughs) And so if you don't have a, uh, like, if you don't have a fucking little, like, bracket to brace the graphics card, if it even fits in your case to begin with, and you're going to need a big-ass case, uh, it's going to just basically pull the fucking connector right off your board. <laughs> it is a big bitch. So just know, 
just wait it out. Keep watching the reviews that come out. Keep to, you know watch the stuff like Gamers Nexus and Hardware Canucks and and things of that nature. See how it pans out and just fucking wait. Yes, it will mm-hmm. likely be worth it, but don't hop right the fuck in. Next up, um, what's the good order? Yeah, we'll go on to this one now. Old Mikey Jeff, he's back mm-hmm. in the game. He's back. He's back in the game. He saw he saw the need in the market for somebody with a brain, and he said, I'll fill it myself. And so Mike is back. Mike Morheim, to be specifically, uh, who's the co-founder at Blizzard before it was taken over by Bobby. I might actually be the Antichrist Codec. Um, retired, what was it, last year? Yeah, year, last year, year, year before, might have been a little bit, might be going on two years now. Yeah, we might be approved. This year has basically evaporated, so I don't. We might, it might be two years now. So yeah. uh, he announced officially Dreamhaven, which is a new game company with two studios below it. So Dreamhaven itself is going to act as more of a uh, oversight and almost like a board of directory type thing where they, uh, where he's going to be doing, um, you know, just advising and making the money. To fund, mm. help fund the two studios below it. Uh, and so below it are the two studios, the names of which are, uh, what was it, Moonshot and Secret Door. And both of these are being headed up by and run by, towards the top, Old Guard Blizzard employees that most of which these names many people would likely know because some of them were were also fairly public facing employees while also being fairly high ranking in the company. So, mm-hmm. Moonshot is led by uh, ex Blizzard executive producer for Hearthstone and lead producer of StarCraft II, uh, Jason Chase, and is partnered with Dustin Broder, who lots of people would know because he was very public facing uh, for a long time. Uh, he was the game director uh, on StarCraft II, uh, Heroes of the Storm, uh, Command and Conquer, as well as Ben Thompson, who was the g- creative director on Hearthstone. Secret Door is headed up by... Uh, th- that has got to be me doing a massive typo. I refuse to believe that that is not a typo. Hold on. One second. I've got to do... <laughs> I've got to do a very quick... Uh, back check, back check on that one. A little fact check on that shit. Uh, yeah, that's a massive. Wow, Chris Sagati is actually there the name go. that's supposed to be there. Holy shit, my uh, that's a uh, not even close. Uh, <laughs> who is the executive producer on Hearthstone, StarCraft Two, and Heroes of the Storm, as well as well as the lead producer on the original Warcraft Three. So that motherfucker's been around. For a hot minute. Uh, he is joined by Eric Dodds, who many other people would also likely know as the original Hearthstone game director, and Alan uh, Dabiri, who is the game director for Heroes of the Storm. We don't, obviously there are more people, uh, veteran developers on both those teams. Those are the, the, the names from the Blizzard staff that many people would have known uh, to this point. We don't know what the games are yet. Each studio is individually working on a singular game each. So they have their own game project going on, each studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we don't know what they are yet, but I'm sure we will find out sometime next year. Uh, or possibly even if they want to say the, 
vague direction they're going in. Um, if they're looking for investment and whatnot, then they might announce something sooner. But for now, I suspect they already have private investment because all Mike Morheim would have to do is walk into an office and say, Hi, I'm Mike Morheim. I co-founded Blizzard, <laughs> and I'm making video games again, and I brought some of my friends with me, and they'd say, Okay, how much do you want? And so I don't think he's going to be hurting for I money mean, anytime that or soon. Go, Hi, I'm Michael Morheim. I'm worth billions of dollars. I'm <laughs> do it myself everybody uh, hop on board also possible also yeah. possible so we'll uh, <laughs> we'll keep you guys abreast of that uh as we get more but that's where we are at for now but what do you think of that seeing mike morheim back in the game i love it i saw that on twitter and i was a very happy man question is what type of game are they going to make or games are they going to make uh is michael morheim going to go back to his roots and uh and make some um uh rts you know, is he going to come and, and disrupt the RTS market? Not like there's much of one anyway. Um, it's not really a disruption one, so much as just yeah. like, hey, we're still here. We're still here. Um, <laughs> I mean, if there's one person that could get people to play a new RTS game, it's him. I mean, he is the godfather of RTS. He is he is the goat. Um, so, you know, he might do that. Maybe he makes a Diablo-like game. You know, he he's also the godfather of 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 the of those dungeon crawler games. Um, he's the godfather of a lot. I highly doubt they do an MMO. So, uh, you know, my guess is is it's either going to be a Diablo-like game, a another card game, or um, an RTS game. Man, I mean, you want to believe that just to play it safe, you're going to play to the strengths of the guys that you brought on board, right? So, what you just said makes the most sense. For their first games, you would imagine that they would want to do that. Um, that wouldn't surprise me. I think what I would be most interested in is the scope of these first games. How big are they going to try and go with these? Because they are, even though he has a lot of money, it doesn't necessarily mean you just go out and fucking shit that thing out the door uh, all at once. You want to maybe start with something that's that's big, but not blown way the fuck out of proportion and make it tight and a good experience uh and so it will be fun to see Mm, a tight and good experience if you know what i mean i do (laughs) uh but uh yeah that would be i'm i'm very excited personally as well just because um it's rare to have a industry veteran uh, that's respected like mike be able to do well enough for themselves to go out and do this kind of thing yeah, and have enough funds and enough clout to build something substantial for themselves. Uh, it almost never happens. And so yeah. uh, it's exciting. And it says a lot about, I mean, you can kind of read behind the, between the lines. Uh, Michael Morheim likely, I don't know this, but I'm, I'm speculating likely was not a happy camper uh at blizzard activision for a while basically it went to it went to shit it became everything in my opinion that michael morheim was not uh it was almost the complete opposite the games were no longer for us they were money uh driven activision titles that uh they squeezed and squeezed and squeezed which you know they made tons they made billions of blizzard made billions of dollars before any of this shit, you know, they've, they made so much, they made so much money before 
they 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 sold themselves to the devil um, to a degree. I mean, I'm not saying everything that Blizzard Activision has done is bad, um, but I, I'm I'm a little biased because I come from a, a place of 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 old school roots of Blizzard, and you can most certainly see the changes for the you know the the millennials, you know, the, or the ones that 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 got into the Blizzard game like as Blizzard Activision um, don't really know, maybe have felt the difference. But something tells you when he steps away and he walks away and he spends, what, no more than a year, year and a half of being a free man, he, he's now getting the old crew together to create more video games. You know, if, if things were going so great and he was just so over the moon about how his, his franchises were going, why would he leave Blizzard in the first place? You know? Uh, so this just goes to show that he's, he's probably over whatever the hell he probably lost his, his vote, like, uh, to, to be the, the guy that makes the ultimate decisions, uh, or he was pressured to, to resign, uh, because, you know, stockholders need to make their money. And he said, probably said, fuck this, took a little time off and now he's back at it again and he's starting fresh. And we all know the the the, the difficulties in, in creating new franchises, new games, starting a new thing. This isn't like him going in and and consulting. You know, it, this isn't this isn't George Lucas uh, going on the set of a Mandalorian and saying a couple of things, getting everybody inspired. Might say a little thing here and there to get people thinking, or somebody go, "Oh, what do you think of this?" and then walks back off to the sunset. He's started, this dude's bi- rebuilding from the he's he's from the ground up with the people that he loved uh making games with. So it says a lot. He wasn't ready to stop making games. He wasn't he wasn't ready to retire. He wanted to get the fuck out of Blizzard. That's what it was. And he probably didn't want to start this the next day or at least make it public. I'm sure him talking to his friends, dude. I'm getting the fuck out. By the end of this year, I'm gone, bro. And then we're gonna start, you know, get the gears turning, and we're gonna get the old crew together, and we're gonna be, we're gonna live it like it's, you know, the the '90s again and, and the early 2000s, and we're uh, and we're gonna we're gonna go and see what we can do, see if we still got it. That's what it. That's what it feels like, and I like it. It's like it's like some sort of video game version of Gone in 60 Seconds or Ocean's Eleven. We're getting the old crew together. It's all the, like the best guys that we ever knew. Some of them might be dead, but that's okay. We'll get the ones, the ones that are still living and willing to work, bring them together and tackle, uh, tackle the thing that we all want to go after. And, and, um, uh, I dig it. I'm there for it and I'm excited. Uh, I'll be more excited. Honestly, even though I don't play RTS really ever, I want to see an RTS from them. At least one of those two studios. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'll get one. Because, I think we'll get one. Because if anyone was going to lead the way on that, obviously they would be the, the ones to fucking go with it. I mean, there's really... Who else would you yeah. want to have? Well, I had... I've I had said it on the podcast before. I've had dinner with Michael Morheim and yeah. Dustin. Yeah. Uh, and I sat to to my to my left was actually Michael's uh wife yeah. to my right was Michael and then the next seat to him was Dustin yeah and those two guys only talked about for the most part Starcraft yeah 
they and this was like when StarCraft. This was not when StarCraft was doing. That was after Dark. Well. That was after when StarCraft was like on the down. Yeah, on like the back half. Of it. I was there. I was there for a Heroes of the Storm convention. Um, there was. I was actually talking to Michael Morheim about. Uh, the Warcraft movie that was coming out, which, by the way, Warcraft Two movie. Yeah, they're doing another um, one. Yeah, yeah, they're apparently doing another one. Um, we talked about that for a minute, and the vast majority of the discussions were StarCraft, and the reason why is because I'm the StarCraft guy at the table. Nobody else was StarCraft. Everybody's like, "Here's the Storm League of Legends." You know, they brought a bunch of League players in to, to you know to get on board with Heroes, and uh, they just love talking about StarCraft. They, you know, Dustin was talking about how our videos or when she filled series got him through a lot of workouts on the treadmill. He'd, he'd watch uh, episodes running on the treadmill and he was telling me about some of his favorite ones. And uh, Michael Morheim loved what we, what we were doing. And, and he, he was telling me how much like, you know, StarCraft is his baby like that. That is the, 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 the series, the game, the IP that holds the most to him. So I believe uh, when you get these two guys together, how can you not get an RTS game or some variation? Maybe they flip the script a little bit. You know, maybe you start to see something like remember, uh, remember Drop Zone that we played where it was like the MOBA RTS uh, combined thing. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they flip the script and they do something new, and but it has RTS elements to it. I have no idea, but I'll be really, really excited when we find out the genre and what they're doing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um,. News, news flash, breaking news, <clears throat> Mr. Black, Amazon is entering the cloud gaming service. Oh boy. It's called Luna and it couldn't possibly have a more generic, uh, brand logo, but that's okay. Introducing Luna, Amazon's cloud gaming service, where it's easy to play great games on devices you already own. No waiting for lengthy downloads or updates. Just play. Request your invitation for early access and help make Amazon Luna even better, Mr. Black. Now, I'm going to go. I've just got this page in front of me. I haven't had a chance to read it all yet. I was, I was like, browsing over it. We'll get through this. We'll, we'll see what we think about this. So, Luna is available for PC, Mac, Fire TV, which is like Amazon's uh, Roku, basically, and web apps for iPhone and iPad. Interesting, no mention of Android devices. Play screen uh, to screen without missing a step in your game with the Luna controller, which, uh, by the way, is quite literally an Xbox controller merged with the um, Nintendo Switch Pro controller, which is already basically an Xbox controller, but those are, it's, that's, that's the controller. Uh... Explore, uh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, they're talking about the games. $5.99 a month early access pricing, which means that's going to go up at some point, but that's where they're starting at. Unlimited hours of play, growing library of games, so they don't really seem to have much of a, of a list here that I can see yet, but I'll see if there is below it. Up to, 10, up to 1080p 60. With 4K coming soon in, in parentheses, much like uh, Google's version trying to push 4K and realizing it's not really a good idea. Uh, stream on two devices at the same time, Jeff. Mm. Two! And what could those two devices be protected by at the same time? 
NordVPN. That's right. Play on PC, Mac, Fire TV, and web apps for iPhone and iPad is what they already had before. And then Ubisoft is attached to this as well. Coming soon. They just have Ubisoft coming soon. Unlimited hours of play, unlimited, uh, or no, they get ultimate editions with DLC for select titles. Uh, same up to 1080p, 60, whatever. Stream on one device at a time for Ubisoft. Um, so that's already, this is already getting more complicated than it needs to be and kind of stupid, but that's okay. Moving on. Get more with Twitch, Jeff. Oh. More with Twitch. <clears throat> okay. Watch popular Twitch streamers directly from Luna. And then go from watching Twitch to instantly playing on Luna. That doesn't sound like we're getting more from Twitch at all, but okay. That's all they have on that. There's nothing else there. Now I'm going to the frequently asked questions to get some of our our frequently uh, asked questions answered, Mr. Black. What is Amazon's Luna? Luna is a cloud gaming service that lets you play your games on Fire TV, PC, and Mac devices, as well as through web apps on iPhones and iPads. Nowhere anywhere does it say Android. So this looks like it just right out of the gate might not be coming to Android at all, which would be massive on the mobile gaming side because I'm pretty sure that's like 60 to 70% of the mobile market. But anyway, what is cloud gaming, Jeff? That's a question here. Cloud gaming enables you to play games on devices you already own without the need to purchase a gaming console or PC. Games live in the cloud, so there are no lengthy downloads, installs, or updates required. How do I access Luna? Currently, early access to Luna is available exclusively by invitation. Uh, what do I need to play on Luna? High-speed internet connection, compatible game controller or mouse and keyboard, and uh, a supported PC, Mac, Fire TV, iPhone, and iPad. What is Luna Plus? Oh, this isn't mentioned anywhere else. Luna Plus is on here, even though it was literally nowhere else in the fucking paper I saw before. Luna Plus! As a game channel, offers a growing library of new and favorite titles. Set up Luna profiles to play on two devices at the same time at up to 1080p 60fps with 4K coming soon. Um, uh, how long will early access pricing last? They don't really say. They just say we'll let you know 30 days ahead of that. What is the Ubisoft channel? You know what this is starting to sound like if they do channels like this? What is this? Fucking the Sega network or the Sega channel from back in the day? Do you remember that, Jeff? I do remember. You literally, you hooked it up to like your telephone, like your connection line, and it, it yep. became part of your Genesis. That was like, that was, uh, that was dude, beyond that was its time. Bro. Decades that was ahead. <laughs> that was like, dude, they were, they were just way ahead. Way ahead. That's just the only way to put it. I mean, when you think about it, it's literally what we have today. Yeah. But back in, like, the fucking 90s. Yeah, that was wild. (laughs) Uh, Ubisoft Game Channel will include new and favorite titles from Ubisoft, including Ultimate Edition versions for select titles. The Ubisoft Channel will provide you access to play on one device at up to 4K resolution for select titles. Stay tuned for more. Which controllers are compatible with Luna? You can play with a Luna controller, Xbox One controller, DualShock 4 controller, or use a mouse and keyboard. Can the Luna controller be used with game consoles? Uh, The Luna controller supports Bluetooth and USB for offline play on many devices. Luna controller is not licensed for play on game consoles. Uh, How do I buy the controller? Uh, Only those who are invited right now can get it. Uh, 
All right, so it's another it's a, it's another it's cloud. It's literally service. another cloud thing. Um, I'm trying to see if there's one of these that is actually. It's it's only available in the U.S. right now, uh, for those who get invited. Oh, here you go. How much data should I expect? So here you go. Um, unlike streaming movies or music, cloud gaming can consume up to 10 gigs an hour at 1080p. So data caps, you're going to want to, like every other thing, service like this, you're going to want to keep an eye on it. So there you go. Uh, Amazon Luna. Um, it's basically the same as Google's, uh, really. Uh, and it will fail for the same reason that, that Google's is not doing particularly well. The internet infrastructure is just not good for it right now. Yep. Whether, whether it's the connection quality or it's data caps or a combination of both is just not ready for it yet. Uh, and, and much like the Sega channel, it's just a little too ahead of its time. A little too ahead of yeah. its time. Probably um, still five years out uh, before this thing makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I. Uh, if you're lucky, five years. I, I, I think that... Um, and here's the thing as well to keep in mind, is that um, Xbox has their own with the X Cloud, right? So you can play that on your mobile device as well streamed that way uh it would be really hard for me to not want to just go with an xbox because you get you know 25 35 a month like we talked about last week you're getting the console you're getting xbox gold you're getting the xbox game pass with all those games and x cloud included with all of ea and now another part that we're going to talk about all of Zenimax, which is Bethesda, on top of that, um, all under one umbrella for that price. Like tacking that on to Amazon, it's gonna. Be, I don't know what they're gonna come up with there, but all the best to them on that one. So that was the breaking news, uh, and all I'm gonna right. be honest with you, pretty fucking boring news. And I apologize yeah. for reading that shit out, but I hadn't read it over, so I didn't know what I was gonna get into. Um, now. For some real big dick news in relation to what I was just talking about. This week, we had the biggest video game acquisition, to my knowledge, in video game history. You can't count the Activision Blizzard, because that was a merger. So the value of that being like the, the 50 billion or whatever, that was the merger value. But the actual acquisition value here... Uh, is, to my knowledge anyway, one of, if not the biggest uh, acquisitions ever made. Microsoft bought out ZeniMax Media, which is a parent company to a number of companies, but the one that everyone is obviously most interested in, uh, well, it's two of them, I guess, but it's one is, I think, also under Bethesda, is Bethesda and Arcane, Arcane being the guys that do um, uh, Dishonored and, and, and whatnot. So, um... This kind of came out of nowhere. We knew that many moons ago, Microsoft talked about how, uh, or it was rumored to be anyway, that Microsoft were looking at a very big purchase. And I think we might have talked about at some point that it was rumored that EA was going to be what their their purchase was. Mm-hmm. Instead, we got EA on the Game Pass, so it wasn't the they didn't have to buy them to get to get what they wanted, I guess. But they did go out and buy Zenimax for seven and a half 
billion fucking dollars. So what does that mean? Well, uh, it means quite a bit actually, and this is quite a dense, uh, a dense thing here, but the long short of it is they get Bethesda and, uh, and all of the stuff that comes with it, as well as Elder Scrolls Online, which was under Zenimax Media and not, not under Bethesda. Um, so we're talking about game franchises like The Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Doom, Quake, Wolfenstein, Dishonored, Starfield, The Evil Within, Prey, and other AAA franchises. That's the, the majority of them that I came up with off the top of my head, but that's the majority of them. And those are some big dick swing games. I know everyone likes to b- poke fun at Bethesda because of The Elder Scrolls, uh, because of Skyrim being ported to every fucking console known to man, and Fallout 76 being an absolute fucking dumpster fire. But fall, uh, Fallout and, and Elder Scrolls specifically are still, arguably, <laughs> Elder Scrolls at least, are the most anticipated games of, all, of any console generation that they arrive on. Pretty much bar none. Anytime an Elder Scrolls game lands, everyone wants to know about the Elder Scrolls. They don't give a fuck about anything else. It's just the way it is. The most talked about fucking franchise whenever it lands. And so for Microsoft to just go out and buy Zenimax is, is an unfathomable dick swing by Microsoft. This is not the Xbox, Divi- Xbox division. This was Microsoft came in and did the, dad bought the, the fucking company for the son. Said, hey son, happy birthday. We got this for you. Uh, 24 hours before the pre-orders go live. We got this for you. Um... To put this into perspective further, this is $7.5 billion just shy of Sony's entire income for 2019, which was about $8 billion. Not, re- not, not profit, income. For not Sony, or not, or not PlayStation, but Sony, the parent company of PlayStation. This is not something that Sony, even if they wanted to do, could make happen. They can't do that. And so there's a discussion to be had there, and I'll I'll bring up that point afterwards. Also, of course, people were interested in how this affected the two games that were timed exclusives for the PlayStation 5 being worked on by Bethesda. Those two games were, uh, or are, Deathloop, and then Ghostwire Tokyo, both of which we've seen at E3 um, shows from last year and other uh, events afterwards. Both of those were confirmed by Microsoft to be staying as contractually originally written timed exclusives for the PlayStation 5. So those games were going to come to other consoles and the PC later anyway, But people were concerned that this meant that the exclusivity was going to be completely wiped out. That's not the case. They're leaving it as is. Sony still gets their timed exclusivity with those uh, those franchises, and then they will go to other platforms. Um, The plan... I have a bunch of notes here. Sorry, I tried to get everything out of my head here. The plan is not... To necessarily make everything exclusive. So this was another question that they had for them, obviously, when this happened. Because people were like, holy shit, that's a lot of games that people have been buying on other platforms for a long time. So, 
are all of them going to become exclusive now? Is that is this the future? People were like, Monopoly, Monopoly, Monopoly. What's going to happen here? Um, the plan is to not necessarily make everything exclusive, but there will be, as you would imagine for our companies that just spent $7.5 billion, there will be exclusives for the Xbox and PC via the Game Pass on a case-by-case basis. So some games will be exclusive, but not all games will be. And I have here in my notes as well, the thought I had is that there's almost value in making, strategically, some games not exclusive, because what it does is, it has the consumer look and go, I can get this on the PlayStation for $70 in tax, or it's part of the Game Pass, and with all these other games, for $15 a month. So there's Mm. almost strategic marketing value in not making everything an exclusive, at least not right out of the gate. And so we don't know, but they have said, they have said definitively that not everything is going to magically become, it's not going to be like, now, will the Elder Scrolls be exclusive? That would be the biggest cuck in gaming history to buy out the Elder Scrolls from, uh, from being able to launch on the PlayStation. Uh, but beyond that, the question I have posed here right now, Jeff, to get you involved here is what does this mean? What do you think this means for Bethesda moving forward? Uh, I have here, for example, will Microsoft try and get them to move the Elder Scrolls six up in the production line? Cause right now. Uh, Starfield, which was their space game that they were going to be working on before the Elder Scrolls 6, was currently slated to be released before the Elder Scrolls 6. But I think Microsoft knows that between Starfield and Elder Scrolls 6, not a fuck is being given for Starfield. They showed a JPEG of the Elder Scrolls 6 and the world caved in and every news uh, website ran the same article of this is what we know about the Elder Scrolls 6 so far, which is nothing because that's what people want to see. Do you think that that happens? And then furthering beyond that, do you think that Microsoft will get involved to try and force a higher quality bar for Bethesda games moving forward, especially if they're going to be exclusive to Xbox? Because as we have seen from Bethesda here in recent years and recent releases, they've not exactly been hidden particularly high quality bars Mm. on their releases, but that was when they were on their own and they're no longer on their own anymore. So what do you think this buyout means for Bethesda? And is it a good thing? Do you think this is monopolistic? What are your general thoughts? Uh, I mean, I personally don't care. Um, I I don't, it's big. It's, it's really, really big. Uh, but, I, is it going to change the quality of games that come out? I don't think so. Um, I think the way they market the game is going to be different. The microtransactions, the way they set things up is going to be different. Subscription things are going to be different. Um, I think this is good news for Bethesda fans uh, because I feel as though Bethesda, although still makes games, um, they don't do a particularly good job at it. Um, and I think Microsoft is going to understand that they're going to need to up the bar in terms of quality, consistency. And uh, I think that's precisely what they will do. 
Um, and I'm I'm kind of with you on the fact that uh, they will rush this game out uh, quicker. Um, rush is probably not the right word to use, but they they, they'll they move it ahead of. Yeah, they'll they'll prioritize the game because they just spent a billion dollars. <laughs> they they don't have all the time in the world to to wait like Bethesda and you know release one game every god knows how long. They need to get games out. They need to make money because they just invested a astronomical amount of money. So I I think this is nothing but good news. For Microsoft fans, um, it's a little scary for Bethesda fans on the simple fact that things might become more exclusive. And that's only natural. That's just going to happen. They paid for that ability. They're going to use it uh, to to a degree. I don't I don't know how much if they're going to say, listen, the new games that are coming out. You guys are fucked. It, you got to buy a, you got to buy an Xbox to play this shit or just Game Pass uh, on the PC or Game Pass. Exactly. Or Game Pass on the PC. We don't want you buying a PlayStation. We get with the one thing that is certain with Microsoft, they are making a very, very strong argument to go out and buy their godforsaken console that I don't even really want to buy. But at this point, they forced my hand. I gotta buy this damn console, and at the very least, I gotta get Game Pass. Well, I would just get Game Pass on the PC personally, because yeah, we have yeah, the PC I, to run it. Yeah. So I mean, at the very least, Game Pass is taking my money. The at the bare minimum, they're taking my money, and uh, they're doing it. They're doing. I think Microsoft is doing the best they can in a battle they can't win, and I think what they're doing is uh, throwing around their big dicks, throwing around their money, buying up whoever they can, getting a lot of headlines on them. They're doing this in like every few months. You're hearing this big fucking. Huge amounts of news leading up. I think they're doing a good job. I think the Bethesda buyout was a good one. Um, I think it's money well spent. I think it's money they're going to make back in the long run. And uh, I, I I think this is good news for Bethesda fans. I don't see how Bethesda fans can get upset. Bethesda fans have been crying for years about regurgitation of the same fucking games, the same broken shit, the same fucking engines, the same old same, the gouging of the money. And here you go. Now they've they've been completely bought out. And so this, if you're ever going to have an opportunity for this to get better, it's not going to get worse. If how does it get worse? I, I I think that this was the savior that Bethesda needed, or Bethesda fans need, and Bethesda needed uh, to to rejuvenate it. And even if they do use the old engine again, which I'm sure they will. Um, the fact that it's a Microsoft title or, or the, you know, now, I think that changes the game. I think people will go, okay, you know what? Let's give it a shot. Let's see if they made the difference. And if they make those quality differences, uh, I think Bethesda could be right back in good graces with a lot of people. Yeah, I, just speaking about Bethesda, not the buyout, is that when I reviewed the Fallout 4 originally and I got to the end of that review, I said Fallout 4 will be the last game that fans will give Bethesda slack for. Yeah. Um, because it 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 just perpetuated what you just talked about the same bugs, the same shit, regurgitated whatever. And yeah, Bethesda fans were gonna buy it because uh, they'll buy anything. Like Nintendo fans, it just doesn't matter. They're gonna buy yeah. it. Uh, they'll complain about it, but they're still gonna buy it. Um, but I felt like four was probably the last 
the you know the last one and then we got Fallout 76 and my point was fucking proven pretty much outright and we haven't seen anything come out of them really since uh because they haven't been putting anything out and um yeah i would be shocked if microsoft let them get away with that kind of fuckery yeah now that they spent that money seven and a half billion dollars on the parent company right (laughs) like i'd be shocked i'd be fucking shocked if they let them get away with that shit so regardless if it's microsoft providing them the funds um, or helping get them hooked up with more development uh, what about teams. Toddy Boy? Is he still going to be around? You know what? I'm going to be. Fu- I'll, I'll. I'll. I'll be. I'll be straight with you. If I was at Microsoft right now, and I had literally any say in how this acquisition went, Todd Howard and Pete Hines would Gone. no longer be working at Bethesda tomorrow. Yeah. At yeah. best, at best, Pete Hines is sent into the sun. And Todd Howard is relegated to salesman on the E3 stage. And at best, he's on the board to like, you get to make some suggestions now and then. And that's the show. You get to go to E3, you get to wear the same fucking leather bomber jacket you wear all, you love it so fucking much, you could put that bad boy on, you get out on the stage... And you tell a couple of jokes about how Skyrim is broken and then how Alexa can play Skyrim now. And then everyone laughs and you say, here's a JPEG of Elder Scrolls 6 and everyone jerks off in public. That's your job now, Todd. Your job is to incite people to break the law and jerk off in public over pictures of the Elder Scrolls 6 possibly happening before their grandchildren enter this fucking broken world. That is your job. You don't touch the game development anymore. You go away. Pete Hines... You've literally not been useful at any point in time. You're like a fucking Peter Molyneux, except without the personality. So just get the fuck out the company and go do literally anything else. Maybe join another animal sanctuary. I hear that's working out (laughs) for other game developers and partners in game developers in other places. Maybe do that, Pete Hines. But you're not working at this company anymore. And then we're going to set new bars for quality. It's that simple. You're, you're, there, there is no more, there's the same five to 15,000 bugs that have been in the game since I played Morrowind on the original Xbox that kickstarted the, the collaborative effort that Microsoft and Bethesda have that would have led to any amount of this even happening despite the $7.5 billion cash. Because like Bethesda still had to say yes, or Zenimax still has to say yes, They've worked with Xbox longer than anyone else. And so you got to you got to stop with that shit because I I have to also imagine that Microsoft knows that Bethesda's name right now is tarnished. They're not worth what they used to. If you tried to buy out Zenimax Bethesda just before Fallout 4, I don't know. I mean, it would have might, maybe it was still seven and a half billion, but you know, you you it would be more than that if you fucking inflation and shit going forward. However, you wanted to change it up. I mean, it'd probably be closer to ten. But right now, Bethesda's name is how much cheap rum and plastic bottles can we push out the door, and how many canvas bags can we fucking fleece people on for like three years? That's Bethesda's name right now. They don't have anything else. So this was a great opportunity. Seven and a half billion dollars is a lot of money, but it could have been worse. And it would have been worth more money 
in the past. So I think, I think Microsoft knows that, and I think that they know that if they want this to go well and have people actually get behind this moving forward, that they're going to want to know that, A, Bethesda's going to be mostly left alone to do things like still allow people to modify the games like they have for decades, because mods are such a big part of, the, uh, of that ecosystem, but also ensure that there's some fucking quality control for once, because there hasn't been quality control for fucking 20 years now. Shit's crazy. So, I think it's a massive move. I, it obviously adds almost incalculable value to the Game Pass. Yeah. And the game, this further proves how invested Microsoft is in driving sales of Game Pass. Yes, they want you to buy an Xbox console. Uh, console. Is that their primary focus? No. No. The, the Xbox console is just one of another, a series of vehicles in which they you can climb into that gets you driving towards the Game Pass, which yep. is where they're going to make their money. And right now, they're over 15 million subscribers to Game Pass, and the shit just started popping off. Yep. Now we've added... Yeah. Now they're just paying and they're 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 going in debt over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And you know, it it it's it's cost them a fuck ton of money. But in the long run, dude, when they when they run the market and they've got all those bagillion ass subscriptions, then they're gonna raise the prices, they're gonna find new ways to monetize, and that's when they're gonna, you know, cash in big. They're just buying the market right now. They look, this is how I see it is that I think also Microsoft is looking at the market and seeing that games are going to cost $70 plus tax U.S. going forward. Getting people to have a high attach rate of games to consoles at $70 a fucking pop Mm. is going to be harder and harder and harder. And when you tack on microtransactions and as for fucking, you know, lube in the middle of your UFC 4 combat fucking... Uh, your 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 in ring octagon ads and shit, you know, everything else you want to cram in to monetize it. I think that they see that it's going to a be harder for the consumer to do that upfront on the games they want. And how do you do that and lock in more value over the lifetime of a console or a vehicle? You get them onto a subscription service, and like we talked about before, this bitch could go up to thirty dollars a month U.S. And for most people, playing one game a month is still half the cost of a new game outright. And so unless you're a person who says, well, I don't technically own the game because if I stop paying for the service, I'm out. Unless you're in that group or want to have a shelf of physical games behind you, there is no reason financially why you wouldn't want to be a part of a service like that. And Microsoft is in a unique position in the gaming market to be able to afford to position themselves early against everyone else. Like we just said, they just made an acquisition, a part of this business idea, that is almost as much as the entire revenue for Sony of last year. So they're, make, they're taking that opportunity. Here's something else that I would say to kind of ease people's minds about this. Where they, in terms of monopoly, this is not even close to a fucking monopoly. Sony and Microsoft have both been buying up studios left and, lo- and right. This is just the biggest individual purchase. But mm-hmm. they have both been buying up studios like fucking crazy up to this point. 
Here's the difference that you're going to see moving forward between Sony and Microsoft's attempt, attempt to corner certain parts of the video game market. You're going to want to look at Sony like the boutique store. It's going to cost you more money, but you're likely going to get, on average, higher quality for that money, and that's going to be their marketing drive. We've got the best games. They are the prettiest games. They play the best. It's whatever. They're going to corner that high end, almost like you're selling selling a sports car to somebody, or you're Mm. selling, instead of like, I know you're looking at that fucking fully loaded Camry, but for 15 grand more, you can step into a Lexus. Mm. Lexus is the Sony. You get Microsoft that's going to get you 80% of the way there, but if you want to spend that extra couple of dollars, we're going to get you fucking white glove service all up in our Sony console with all of our games. We're going to turn into the Apple of the video game market. We're going to push marketing hard. We're going to be the sexiest looking console. We're going to say that we have the best curation for games. We're going to position ourselves not as somebody who just simply buys, but who who cultivates our own video game developers internally to make these games. Microsoft, in the last console generation, and partially the one before, fell woefully behind PlayStation in that uh, in that uh, that part of the business, where Sony, knowing they don't have that kind of money, had the time to sit back, especially in the last generation where they outsold the Xbox like two to one, had the time to cultivate their own development in-house to make masterful games coming out of the likes of things like Naughty Dog, for example. The games that are better than the stuff that Microsoft makes. Or they get the God of Wars and shit of that caliber. That's a different fucking animal, a different beast from what you get on the Xbox side. And that's not something Sony necessarily went out and bought a parent company to acquire. They helped grow that shit internally. That's why mm-hmm. it's boutique and they're going to continue to do that because they don't have the money to spend $7.5 billion on ZeniMax Media. Microsoft, unfortunately, doesn't have the time, which was shown, was Sony had. And what's the opposite of time? It's money. And what does mm. Microsoft have? Money. Tons of it. And so they're spending the money to put themselves in a position to go up against Sony at that same level but acquiring people with the hopes that they can do it for them because they don't have the time to play that catch-up. If they did, they'd be long gone and way too far behind. So you're looking at a big-box retailer in Microsoft versus the boutique sales corner of, uh, of Sony. You're going to likely get that kind of marketing distinction between the two of them. Very different methodologies for the very different... Uh, money and time difference between those two companies operating as competitors in the market. Microsoft is not suddenly a fucking monopoly because they bought ZeniMax fucking media. uh, And nor is it suddenly going to mean that they're going to be the only operators in the market. People were very doomsday about this shit. Uh, Somebody else will come up to also do it. Microsoft sees where the market is going. The game pass will not be unique for very long. But they're getting in the first mover position uh, position while also tacking on value to other segments of the market like cloud gaming with the xCloud that other people are trying to make a run at. But they also know, like you said as well, it's too early in the game. 
So they're not pushing it, but it's there and it's part of the package and it will get people on. So it's, uh, it's a, it's all I'll say is I'll wrap it up on this. Phil Spencer is a fucking God and he's not making enough money at Microsoft. Whatever they're paying Phil Spencer at Microsoft fucking five X that bitch tomorrow. That man took a literal dumpster fire wasteland of the original launch and the first few years of the Xbox One, saw that he wasn't going to be able to do much more than salvage the end of that console generation, and then pivot the country, the, the company towards taking on the next generation and arguably the one that's after that, playing some fucking chess. And now look at where Xbox is. If you compared them, where Xbox is now in terms of what they're, what they're marketing and how they're pushing for games and early easy access to games and value versus whatever the fuck the original Xbox One was, night and day. And he's just not getting paid enough fucking money. But you know who is getting paid too much money? Pete Hines and Todd Howard. They should probably get paid less now. Should probably move them the fuck out, relegate them to something else. But big moves from Microsoft, nevertheless. And that's the end of our... Oh, actually, no, it's not the end of our news. We have one more thing Xbox-related. They announced the pricing for the Xbox Series S and X uh, memory cards, the expansion for the the hard drives. So they're coming in at $219.99 US for a one terabyte uh, drive, which sounds extraordinarily expensive because it is. However... (laughs) However, keep in mind a couple of things. One, while, while some people compare it because it is PCIe 4.0, which is like the latest spec, while it doesn't run as fast as some high-end 3.0 or some 4.0 cards, it is still a, a specifically designed piece of hardware to suit the Series X and S. It was going to be proprietary in that regard. And Microsoft, as we mentioned many moons ago now when they first announced this this concept of the memory card, is trying to make it as easy as possible for people, despite costing them probably about 15% more than they would get elsewhere without a, a big sale, to get into just buying a card and you plug the fucking thing into the console. You're not you're not taking a screwdriver and and undoing like a plastic panel at the bottom and taking out NVMe drive shit and then like putting that in and clamping it down and doing like, you're not doing hardware upgrading like people that are normally only comfortable doing as a PC enthusiast or somebody with some semblance of PC building knowledge. They wanted to get rid of all that shit because if you, if you, a lot of people don't realize the majority of console players They don't know about any of that shit. They don't know what the fuck PCIe 4.0 is. They don't know Mm. what the difference is between this $220 drive and the $50 2 terabyte drive that they have plugged into their current consoles that they're asking, why in the shit did I just buy a $50 2 terabyte drive and this 1 terabyte drive is 220? Those are legitimate comments and a lot of them on the news of this release. They don't understand what the difference is between them. So to think that those people are also going to want to do uh, something like go to Sony's website, 
Look at the current whitelist of third-party NVMe drives that are the right size and the right speed, both the physical dimensions and the size of the drive storage capacity and speed, and then install that themselves and not have that go fucking horribly wrong with wrong purchases of the wrong drives or thinking that they can just buy a normal SSD and plug it into the console and have it work. Microsoft saw all that shit and said, fuck all that. We're just going to make a fucking memory card that people are, they know how that works. And you plug it into a slot at the back and you're done. That's the show. And if you have multiple, you take one out, you fucking plug the other one back in and you're done. So yeah, it's expensive. It is definitely expensive, but it's not much more expensive than PCIe 4.0 NVMe drives are right now. The list of stuff for PS5 is very limited at the moment. Um, and honestly, I think it's the smartest move. Beyond that, um, what people should also know, and this is true, I'm just jogging my memory here, this is, what this is true about PlayStation 5 as well, is that both of them require for the new games, so the PS5 games and the Xbox Series X or S games, they require that speed to operate those games. However, for the Xbox, Xbox One games, Xbox 360 games or older, the ones that are backwards compatible, can all be run on any standard USB hard drive that you plug into the console. So Mm. for most people that already have an Xbox One, or if you have a PS4, for example, moving to a PS5, and you have an external hard drive that you're likely stored like two two terabytes worth of, of games on it, you literally just plug that into the Xbox or the PlayStation 5, respectively, and you can play those games just as you would on the old consoles. There's no fuckery beyond that. If you want to maximize the storage that comes with these, both of these consoles as well, PS5 and Xbox Series X and S, you get one terabyte on the Xbox One, and I think the final drive size is 824, some weird number for the, the PS5, but call it one terabyte on each. That's like, you know, three or four to five big games, right? Let's say that another one comes out and you don't want to have to download these games again because they're like 200 fucking gigs a pop or some shit. What you can do is you can actually just transfer those games to a USB drive, like the one you probably already own, and then download a new game. And in the, in the future, if you want, you can swap the ones from the USB drive back onto the internal hard drive and pick right back up and play it again in the future. You don't have to re-download it if you're worried about internet caps or slow internet speeds, things of that nature. So it's not, it's not as doomsday as people think that it is terms, in terms of both pricing and in terms of um, not having enough storage space. It's just they're tackling it again in two totally different ways. PS5, very boutique. Yeah, we're going to let you go and buy a third-party drive from whoever the fuck you want as long as it's an NVMe and it meets our size and speed specifications. The people that will be able to do that are far more limited than the people that can just go out and buy a memory card and plug it into the back of their console. And that's the show. Christmas time comes and says, Mom, I need an Xbox One or an Xbox Series X memory card. 
for Christmas. Done. Otherwise, it's mom, I need a Samsung 980 or 990 PCIe 4.0 NVMe drive. You can find it on Newegg.com. One of those two things is likely to go poorer than the other. So there is a strategy involved on both sides. You will absolutely, on the PS5 side, with a sale, be able to get a one terabyte NVMe drive cheaper than you would for the Xbox Series X and S side. You'll probably save somewhere in the neighborhood of $20 to $70, depending on the drive and the, the size of the deal. As we move forward, obviously the memory cards are likely to come down in price, but not at the speed as the market will drop the price on 4.0 drives. But, again, two different tactics. And now you know, $219. It's a lot of money, but again, the challenge right now is people really, they see it and they think a lot of money because they don't know what that drive is doing. They don't know what the drive even is. They see solid state drive and then they go online for their computer and they see a one terabyte solid state drive, the two and a half inch. And it's like a hundred dollars. And well, like, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know if they, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't think that's what's going through their head. I think what's going through their head is well, like, that, that's what I've seen all day on every single post is exactly I, that. Like, like I was just about to say, I think what they're thinking is the fucking memory card is almost as much as the goddamn console. Yeah, of and course. It's a fucking memory card. That's what people are. That's ultimately what people are thinking. Sure. Because they're going, what in the actual fuck? I can yeah. buy me. I can. I can buy two of these motherfuckers. Yes. I, I can actually buy two consoles just about. Yes. And and call it a day. Yes. Opposed to a memory card. That's what your everyday consumer's thinking, and they're going, "This is absolutely insanity." Yes. To the tenth degree. And here's the thing: is that if that passes through their mind, they should think, "Holy shit." The Xbox Series X already has a one terabyte drive in it. How in the fuck did they possibly make this thing $499 if just the drive on its own is $229 and there's a fucking graphics card and a CPU and RAM? No, I know, but they should for five seconds, but they don't. don't. But this is no different than when they did like, um, when they did like the Vita had this problem where their expansion was super expensive. Uh, and the prices will come down. But what what people will see with the PS5 all the same is the day the PS5 lands, and if they want to expand their storage beyond the 800 and some gigs that they have, they're going to go to the whitelist. I think there's somewhere between three and five, I think the last time I checked, but it's been a while, of whitelisted NVMe drives. They're going to see between 179 and $219. All the same. Uh, and they'll, I guess maybe they'll have the exact same thought. Holy shit. It's $200 to expand for a terabyte for this console, for the new games. What the fuck? But it's all the same. It's yeah, Yeah, they, they will, but there, there's also this, this, this stink about proprietary, uh, anything proprietary, anything. Yeah. So, you know, they, that to have the freedom and the choice to to go and wait on a Black Friday sale when when a third party slashes their prices down or ultimately another third party comes out and sees that the market needs these and they undercut everybody by 30, 40, 50 bucks. They want to have those options. The fact that they got to buy it from the first party, they're going, oh, 
Well, here's the reason why the fucking consoles this cheap because they're going to fuck us dry with a goddamn memory card. Oh, there's a reason why we only get one terabyte because they want to sell us this bullshit fucking memory card. Oh my God. These games, they're fucking 500 gigs each. What the fuck? I only can get two. Looks like I'm forced to go buy a memory card. That's what an everyday console consumer thinks. That's what mom and dad think when they go and buy the shit, when they go to Walmart and they go, Oh, let me go ahead and pick up my new Xbox for my son or daughter. Oh, they said they wanted a memory card and they look at the price and they look at the console. They go, what in the actual name of fuck? No, you're not getting one of these. You can have the console and that's what you're going to get. That's what people think. The people on the in, you know, the ones that have been doing this a long ass time, the guys like you and me, they're going to go out and spend our money on there. And we're more into PC gaming and we understand you know, the logistics of it and the price of storage, specifically this specific type of storage that makes things easier and paying for uh, stuff that just makes your life easier. Uh, we get it, but we are the minority in this case. We're not, we're not the majority. So, uh, you know, I, even when you said that price, even for me, I'm going, whoa. Oh no, that- I wouldn't, I wouldn't personally buy oh. one, uh, but, yeah. and, but the reason why I wouldn't personally buy them one as well is because they've provided both Sony and Microsoft the ability, if you're somebody who does, who, if you're a hoarder, which is how I, I classify some gamers, they're goddamn hoarders. They yeah. never uninstall a game yeah. ever. They haven't played a 300 gig game in five years and that shit is still installed and updating every time they open steam on their fucking computer. Those people. If they really want to and not have to re-download it, they can move it to an external drive of their choosing. They can get that $50, four terabyte special, you know, new egg sale of the day drive and just slam it on there and keep it. And if they want to, you know, bring it back later, they can, uh, if they so choose, but yeah, like how much, how much, how much is the Xbox again? It's, uh, three, 300, two ninety nine for the S yeah, four ninety nine for the X. So and the PS5 so is 4.99 and yeah. 3.99 for less than 100 bucks difference. You can buy a second Xbox. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. And you can use that as your secondary storage if you really wanted to. Yeah. How insane is that? Well, I think again, I I understand your point about the average consumer, but so I'm not talking about that specifically, but what I but but I do want for both Sony and Microsoft's sake, because they both have similar drives as standard in their consoles, is just how fucking bonkers it is that they are managing to sell these consoles for yeah. four hundred and ninety nine dollars. Yeah, it's taking insane. a loss. Yeah, they're taking they're taking a loss on the consoles. The consoles are literally just a vehicle to drive the games, the memory cards, the controllers, the subscriptions to 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 get the market. And you know the reality is, Adam. These consoles wouldn't be this cheap if they weren't trying to outdo each other all the time. You know, if, if, well, yeah, if there's only one person in the market, obviously it's going to cost more money. Yeah. So, I mean, (laughs) it's, it's, it's one of these things where this is, this is what we've created. And the, the, the harsh reality of it is guys is we're getting a deal on the consoles. If you buy the consoles and you play it as it is, but they're going to get you on the back end. They're not fucking stupid. They know this. Let me tell you something. These memory cards, if they wanted to get these down to $99 a piece or $149 a piece, they could, and they'd probably profit from it. But the reality is they need to make up some money here. They gave a, they, they, they gave you like a fucking $600 box 
for the for a third of the price, like 40% of the price. They need to make their money. And this is where they're getting you. So, you know, hey, hoarders, stop hoarding so you can keep your deal. But if you want to hoard, you got to pay. And they, they they know this. I like, I, I've, uh, uh, yeah, uh, again, a terabyte, a terabyte, a terabyte should really fucking be good for most people. I, I mean, if you can somehow manage to need to have more than, let's say, five high-end AAA fucking titles installed on your console at any given time. I don't know what kind of life you're living, but fucking God bless you. Um, I play games for a living, and I don't have that kind of shit floating around on my consoles. So, um, but they exist, and then people will get fleeced. Uh, well, I mean, it's not even getting fleeced, really. Seriously. The, if you see the market price for an NVMe drive, they're, they've tacked like $20 on, and it's proprietary. I mean, that's like the smallest markup on a proprietary drive I've ever fucking seen in my life. This is like literally next to nothing. It's probably like the cost for them to make their money back on tooling the, the shroud that goes around the fucking drive itself. Like, there's almost no markup on it. So, um, yeah, it's... Uh, there is a lot of value to be had in this generation, but like any generation, there are the accessories are always what's going to fuck you up. Nintendo, for example, is by far the most egregious example of accessory porn uh, in the history of console anything. The Wii U and the Wii and the Switch, the fucking accessories for these consoles are like unreal the wii u is probably the worst the wii u needed so much shit to play to even be able because some games were only for certain controllers it's fucking whack as hell it's crazy uh so they're gonna get you on peripherals but this is i know people want to get up in arms with the shit but this is probably the least the last thing that you need to get up in arms about like there are lots of other things to get up in arms about but this is probably it the one to get up in arms about for xbox is they're they're a premium controller charger they put up on the store today it's like fucking $59 or $49 and it's a cradle to put your fucking controller in to charge it just USB-C into like a phone charger and walk the fuck away but but they'll they'll get people on that shit Mm -hmm. they'll spend $50 on a a cradle for their controller it will happen so yeah, that you know they will they will make their money for uh, in, in other ways, but it's true. But there you go, two twenty nine is their starting price. I would say by the end of next year, it'll probably be one ninety nine. But up front, you're going to be paying uh, a twenty thirty dollar premium for sure. Um, and I will be most interested after this podcast. I might even go and look at the whitelist for Sony and see what those drives cost right now, and then keep an eye on those drives over the next few months and see, uh, and see how the price, you know, slowly comes down on those third party drives so that we can keep tabs on that. Because if there's going to be like an $80 fucking disparity, that's a problem. If you're talking $20, fucking whatever, but like $80 disparity, that's going to be a big deal. So we'll wait and see what happens. Next up, it's time for a little sellout, Mr. Black. Are you ready for a little sellout? Yeah, we got patreon.com slash lag TV. If you guys haven't gone over there and thrown your wallet at the screen, now is that time. Now is that time. Uh, there's merch. You can be part of the tech support. Uh, you support our asses. All that fun stuff. Right over on patreon.com slash lag 
TV. And big shout-outs to everybody that is already over there and have been supporting. Also, we got Elgato. If you guys don't already have Elgato products, well, you all got to get one. We got 4K capture cards. We got green screens. We got key lighting. They even got new lighting now. Um, the uh, the ring light, which basically goes around your, your webcam, your phone. Uh, it's their newest product. Definitely go check that out. It's called the ring light. Um, it's been selling like crazy, like everything else. Uh, like Elgato, it's hard to keep Elgato products in stock. Uh, probably because, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And also on top of that, uh, they're just good products. Everybody buys. So, Jeff, uh, if so I told hey, you that I started up an OnlyFans account and I really needed more lighting and uh, and a camera and a microphone and everything. I, that's listen, why. If you if you if you started your OnlyFans, all right, you can grab the green screen to change your scenery yep. from time to time if you like. So you got that. You can get your your ring light to go around that phone while you're taking those sexy photos. Yep. All right. Uh, you can get a uh, uh, what else? What else? What else? Oh can't forget about the wave microphone you can go ahead and grab yourself a wave three so that you can do exclusive videos and sound extra crispy and it's, a, it's a plug and play it's really easy you don't need mixers and all kinds of you know uh phantom powered related things and, and and all these other big words cloud lifters and shit you don't need any of that <laughs> you don't need any of that you just need you just need a plug and play baby you just need a plug and play so Elgato, if you don't got one, you all got to get one. Link is in the description below, guys. Um, they support the stream uh, and the podcast, so so head on over there. Plus, we got NordVPN. You know, listen, what what's what's the name of this Amazon's new uh, Luna? All right, listen, guys. If you don't want to get eclipsed by the Luna, all right, when it comes to data, it's time to go and pick up. NordVPN, 68% off when you use the promo code OTT on a two-year term with a bonus month for free. Mask your IP. Don't get caught up in the, in the craziness of data caps. Bypass it by just basically scamming out your, your ISP provider and, and masking, masking you. Fleece your ISP provider. They're already fleecing you. Mask your IP. Hey. If you're on, if you got Netflix and you want to watch different regions, fleece them as well. It's a fleecing world, and you can you can access the fleece by picking up your NordVPN. It's that easy. And if you don't want to do any fleecing, hey, not everybody likes to fleece. All right, I got fleeced a couple weeks ago. I'm still feeling the fleece. Jeff, so, my dentist has been telling me to fleece twice daily for years, and I still haven't done it yet. My dentist tomorrow is most certainly going to tell me to fleece twice a day after my cleaning tomorrow. I can guarantee you that. But if you, if you don't want to hust, if you don't want to hus and fleece your ISP provider, you don't want to hus and fleece your Netflix. It's time to at least protect yourself on the interweb. Stay safe. Stay anonymous. There's cucks out there that want your information. They want to steal your identity. They want to access things. That you don't want them to access, like that prawn folder that you've got buried in seven other folders. Maybe you don't, don't want anyone like- to know that you spent two hundred and twenty nine dollars on an Xbox memory card. Exactly. You want to hide that activity from the wife or the husband? It's easy. The click of a button on NordVPN, and you're not getting fleeced when you use the promo code OTT, and so you save sixty eight percent. So head on over there. 
What are you waiting for? It's that time. Go. Now. And hit the like button. That's all I got. Boom. Next up, it's time for... Movies and TV. Tom Cruise is teaming up with Elon Musk and NASA to film a movie in space. Sounds about right. It's set to be directed by The Edge of uh, Tomorrow's Doug Lehman, or Lyman, I'm not sure which uh, pronunciation that is, and uh, it's going to make use of the space station, apparently. There you have it. Tom Cruise is going to space. He's going to space. I mean, hey, everybody, listen, 2021 is going to be the year of space, all right? Fast and the Furious is going to go to space. Tom Cruise is going to go to space. Literally. Everybody's going to go to space. And you you know who you got to thank? Elon Musk. Because Elon Musk is making it easier and easier for people to go into space. Now, will Tom Cruise, will the majority of the movie be in space? No. It's going to be like one action sequence. You know, there'll be, you know, same with Fast and Furious. There'll be one action sequence. Uh, Do I believe that Fast and Furious will go up to like the space station? No. I think they'll technically, they'll go just so that it's, you're just in space. You know, you've, you've, you've reached the, you're just above like the atmosphere and you're, you're technically in space. And uh, yeah, maybe they'll drive a car uh, off the back of a spaceship and land it on Earth. I, I and- think I think Fast and the Furious is going to the moon and they're going to make some sort of like bad dark side of the moon reference mm. and then go back to Earth. And that will be the entire sequence. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, there you go. And it will be so, yeah. ludicrous that makes the reference. Luda. Next up, James Gunn <laughs> announces that he's working on a Peacemaker HBO Max series with John Cena. So after they announced, you know, John Cena being part of the the cast for the next Suicide Squad uh, extravaganza, I guess he's going to be a much bigger part in that movie, given the fact that they are now giving him an HBO Max series. And uh, more interesting to me is the fact that James Gunn is going to be actually part of the crew uh, working on that series. So well, he's, he's not only part of the crew, he's writing all eight episodes. Yeah. It's an eight-part series that's already been greenlit. Um, he's directing quite a few of them. We don't know the number. There will be a few other directors, um, which is pretty normal uh, in series because uh, most people think that uh, a lot of series, not everybody's a nerd like me. Where mm. like you're looking at the credits and you're seeing who directed what and stuff. A lot of people just think when they watch Game of Thrones or they watch Breaking Bad or they watch, uh, it's all the same person, True Detective or whatever. It's all the same director. It's not. Yeah. Um, usually have a director that directs more than some of the other ones, and the reason why they do that is because um, they got to keep production going all the time. And a lot of the time is a director once they're done filming, uh, it goes into post. And a lot of the times the director is also part of that post-production. So they're, 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 you know, uh, part of the editing. They might not edit, but they, they need to be part of that, uh, that process. Um, they're, uh, prepping for the next episode. So if they, if they did episode two and now they're doing four, they're, they're, they're getting everything ready for four building sets, getting, uh, all the stuff. And really it's just the actors and actresses that are, um, basically cranking out and the crew like the 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 cinematographers and the um you know they're they're the ones that are there on a daily basis uh but yeah um 
James Gunn uh, doing big things here for uh, for the DC. Uh, we'll see. We'll see where this goes. Obviously, he's going back for Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, but you know he's working on both sides uh, as of right now. And the only reason why he is is because they decided to fire him over you know ten year old tweets um, and making jokes. And then they rehired him because they realized they need James Gunn. And then uh, you know DC was like, hey. We don't hate you. We like what you did with Guardians. Can you please do that with Suicide Squad? And he said yes. And that's what he's doing. Uh, John Cena plays Peacemaker, which is one of the Suicide Squad. Um, and this eight-episode series uh, will be the origin story of that character. So we still don't know if the character dies in Suicide Squad or what, uh, but it will be an origin of that specific character. Um, and and his motto, I do believe, and I'm paraphrasing, is like he will do anything for peace, even if it means killing everybody for peace, something like that. Chaotic so, good, yeah. So it's it's a it's a it's a comedy. Uh, it's likely going to be rated R. Um, and Suicide Squad is like a hard R rating. They're saying it's a hard R. Uh, so um, yeah, exciting stuff. There you go, John Cena. Next up, Black Widow, West Side Story, and Eternals are all postponed uh, for the release dates, with Black Widow specifically now being set to release May 7th of 2021. So uh, I guess they want to avoid any kind of digital release at all. They're going to wait it out, wait out the Rona, uh, and hope that spring of 2021 allows a little bit more people into the theaters to try and, uh, and, and do relatively well. Obviously, they know now with... Tenant not doing spectacular in theaters that people aren't ready to be entering theaters right now. And so they're just going to postpone all this shit. Yeah. I mean, not only that, that's definitely a big part of it, but not only that is a lot of all of Marvel stuff, um, uh, all blends together. So yeah. if you have one specific show or movie that doesn't come out before another show or movie, then there's tons of spoilers. The The flow doesn't work the same way. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a very calculated and meticulous uh, setup that Kevin Feige has going on. And the fact that, you know, shows are being postponed, um, movies are being postponed, things are only going back into uh, production, uh, is fucking everything up. So uh, we're not going to get anything Marvel, I think, until like March of next year or some shit. So it's uh, it's going to be a wait. But you know what? The world needs to wait. We need a break from this shit. And low, I'm not happy about why it's taking a break, but I'm low-key happy. I'm not getting really any of the Marvel stuff uh, for a while because I, I need a breather from it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're getting one one way or the other. Uh, and then last up, for reasons nobody can quite figure out because the last one didn't do too hot, but uh, Yakuza is getting another movie. Uh, it was announced, but I'm just finding scant details on it. Uh, all I know is that the uh, they're looking for writers for the script currently, but they've announced that they want to do another Yakuza movie. Um, so there you go. Uh, yeah, it did not transfer well to film last time. Maybe it will do better this time around, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. Maybe it won't even get off the ground. They don't have a fucking writer yet, so we're going to wait and see. <laughs> wait and see how that goes. Uh, and that's all we've got for that, unless you've got something else you can think of. I haven't got a chance to watch Devil all the time yet. Uh, so I haven't got a chance to, to watch that, to, to talk about it. And, uh, Em and I started watching, 
uh, Ratched mm. uh, on Netflix uh, two days ago. And I think we got through four ep- uh, four episodes so far. Really well done show. I'm liking it. You know, she's in uh, the the lead actress. Can't think of her name off the top of my head. She's in like every American horror story uh, cast, kind of whatever. Mm. Uh, and uh, she does this kind of role super well, as you might imagine, if you're in every fucking American horror story. <laughs> um, and so she does it really well. And and I've I've uh, quite enjoyed it. And it's based on. Uh, one flew over the cuckoo nest, the, uh, cuckoo's nest, the, the book, mm-hmm. uh, and the character in it. And, uh, yeah, very well done. Very well shot. Like you might like it from, uh, just from the, uh, like film perspective of it is very well shot. Interesting filter choice. It's definitely the opposite of everything you tend to see these days where everything is kind of like, uh, muted or like gray brown or whatever. Mm-hmm. They, they put a, they're set, they've oversaturated everything in this almost so it's like uh uh hyper realism in terms of the color palette in it and uh, a lot of the shots are super well done uh more than you would have probably expected just from a netflix show doing something like this so yeah i I can i can recommend it for anyone who's into that kind of like uh i don't know what i would call it maybe like uh it's like almost a thriller of sorts um, but, uh, yeah, very well done. Definitely, definitely, I can recommend that one for sure. I haven't seen all of it yet, but up to where we are right now, very well done. And then hopefully I'll get Devil all the time here in the next, uh, week or so. And yeah, I'm going to try and, thoughts on and that. watch that too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's all, uh, unless you've got something else. And if not, then we're nope. on to the next segment, which is... Tech Support! Patreon.com slash lag TV is the place to go. If you've got $10 or more to spend and you want to be able to ask us questions each and every week, I put up a post called tech support, and then you can send us in your questions and we try to answer as many of them as we can each week. So let's get right into it. Let me see if we've got some voted up ones. Ah, here we are. This is the most upvoted one this week. We got coming in from Will who asks... You're buying a box of cereal just for yourself as a treat. What are mm. you getting? Uh, corn pops. I would, I, uh, yeah, I would say uh, Honey Nut Cheerios. And once in a million years, I would get a corn pops craving. Mm, so good. Once I've done the box, I don't need any more corn pops for a really long time. But during that one box of corn pops, it's ecstasy. It's so good. It's so good. And you can eat them just without milk, nothing. You can just I prefer. Put your hand in the box. Yeah, me too. Put your hand in the box and just eat them bitches. And it is the most deliciously dry, uh, flavorful puff that you'll ever put in your mouth. Bro, my... Uh grandma my dad's mother used to make uh at christmas time used to make trail mix Mm. uh and in her trail mix there wasn't chocolate or anything like that and it was like kind of heavy on like garlic and stuff it was a savory trail mix and uh there was no there was not really a bunch of dried fruit it was mostly nuts and seeds and and uh and then of all things there were the sweet thing was corn pops mm. was in the, we're in the trail mix mm. and, uh, and, uh, and then plain Cheerios were also in the trail of uh, the trail mix. 
And for whatever reason, those corn pops, even though it had like the, the garlic and stuff from the trail mix on it, for whatever fucking reason, it worked so well and they were my favorite thing. I would pick the fucking corn pops out of the trail mix and just eat those. And mm. the way that I did it, we'd put them in, uh, pop them in and I, you let them melt in your mouth and you press them to the roof of your mouth. And yes. then you'd get all the flavor from the trail mix and the corn pop all come out at the same time. And it was the fucking greatest shit ever. Nobody else did it because I don't think anyone would be crazy enough to put corn pops in trail mix. But fuck me. It was tasty. Uh, Kimmitz asks, what movie scared you the most uh, as a kid? Or, well, actually it says scarred. I don't know if, I don't know if Kimmitz uh, meant scared or scarred, but we'll go with either or. Which, which one got at you as a kid? Scarred me the most. Um, I would say the one that scared me the most as a kid uh, would have been a toss-up between Evil Dead, the original, and... um, Ooh, no. I'm going to go with The Exorcist scared me the most and i would say uh which one scarred me the most man it's a good one Mm. the ring yeah no i wouldn't say the ring although the ring had a couple of moments um The Exorcist definitely scared me the most. Probably scarred me the most too. But Yeah, I'm going to go, ooh. I'm going to go, yeah. I'll go with I'll go with Exorcist. Blair Witch, I was going to say the Blair Witch. I would say, yeah. You know what? I'm going to go with the Blair Witch for scarred me the most. Because I'm not going to lie. It is one of the only movies other than like Conjuring or weird haunted house movies that I thought about outside of physically watching it. And the reason why I say Blair Witch probably scarred me the most is because as a kid and even in my early teen years, spent a lot of time in the woods in the woods at night. Yeah, and you watch Blair Witch, even though you know it's a movie, and at at one point you knew it was fake because their whole thing was it was real. So I believed that for a little while until I was like, okay, it's just a movie. But even when I knew it was a movie, and even today, say if I were to go in the woods today, and it's three o'clock in the morning and it's pitch black, and I'm a grown ass adult, I'm not going to be scared of the woods, but I'd be a liar if I said, you know. The the experience of Blair Witch wouldn't play some kind of effect on me psychologically of being in the woods. Uh, so I would definitely say Blair Witch is definitely it for scarring. Scaring Exorcist. That shit was scary as fuck as a kid. Uh, I would say, and probably just because it was one of the first horror films I watched in terms of like how young I was when I saw it originally, would have been uh, Chucky. For scaring, because I think I saw Chucky when I was, like, six. Yeah, that's a good one. And so, at six, Chucky will fuck you up. Yeah. Uh, and then, but, 
by the time I was like 10 or so, which was like circa Blair Witch Project, um, I wasn't, I like, I, uh, movies didn't really scare me much anymore. And so scaring didn't really enter the equation. Like I, I remember watching the exorcist with, with crimp. And we were laughing until we cried watching The Exorcist, and I was like nine. So there was a window of time between like six and nine, six and eight, and Diz's place had a whole bunch of movies, and most of the movies he had on VHS were all either R-rated action or R-rated horror films. It's like the only two things they had in the house. And um, when I was like probably seven or so... I don't even remember the full name, of the, if it's the right name of the movie or not. But the one that scarred me for a short period of time, it was, ca- I think it was just called House. Uh, it wasn't like a super, I don't think it was like a super um, well-known movie. Was it called, was it House? I think it's House. Uh, yeah, so like, there was something about house that that stayed with me for a long period of time and now i can't even remember what it was i think at some point there was like a a few chase scenes in it or whatever that 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 stuck with me for some reason but it wasn't you know it wasn't It wasn't enough that I remember the exact scene, but I remember that that one was like one that like I had trouble sleeping after watching, for example. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, nothing else really scared me. I hit some weird point where I just didn't fucking care anymore. Like Blair Witch was whatever to me. Exorcist was whatever to me. Like all the other uh, usual ones, like the ring people were shitting themselves. I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever fucking seen. This is like horror just didn't affect me anymore. Um, I didn't, I was never a fan of like, uh, gore porn. So like the Saw movies, I watched one and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I don't need to watch more Saw cause it wasn't scary. It was just like, how yeah. much can I look at the screen and witness somebody being decapitated before, uh, it's just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Uh, but yeah, that was, I'd say those two were probably it, but it's one that nobody ever brings up. And I bet you like only a handful of people would even remember that fucking movie. Uh, but it was called, I think it was called House. I just looked it up and I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Uh, oh, this one's specifically for you, Mr. Black. Carpenter K asks, what are your tips for dealing with your pregnant wife? Send help. Oh, man. Um, whatever, whatever her favorite go-to food is, whether that's like McDonald's or, uh, I don't, ice cream, uh, I don't fucking know. Could be whatever. Just randomly surprise her with that. Come home after a day's work or whatever, and boom, there it is. Um, other than that, just yes, dear. Yes. No, you don't look fat. I love you. And uh, that's just pretty much that. I mean, it's about as, it's about as much you can do. Kayla, Kayla wasn't bad. She, you know, I was expecting, honestly... I was expecting uh, uh, my wife to just be horrible to be around to when she was pregnant, and she just was not at all. Like she was really great, uh, in a lot of ways. It was it was even better because you know she'd uh, she'd want to um, you know eat you know junk food and stuff like that. Gave and you I'd an like, excuse to eat some more junk food. 
definitely gained like 15 pounds uh, during the pregnancy, which is which was all right. Uh, <laughs> a lot of sex, you know, women get super horny and ready to go when they're pregnant. So, you know, everything was everything was pretty good. I mean, there were some days, obviously, but uh, for the most part, it was good. Uh, have you guys, this comes in from Mr. Stars, have you guys ever, and I guess this is in relation to live streaming or anything we've done for Lag TV in the past, have you guys ever feigned ignorance or acted dumb during gameplay? So intentionally, even though it wasn't the case, you know, oops, I didn't see that or like whatever, like feigned ignorance or acted dumb during gameplay. And he says, I know there's a balance between uh, being genuine and creating content, but it irks me when content creators miss some of what I consider to be obvious things on the screen. Uh, so are we just talking specifically StarCraft or just No, in just general? anything, like on any, anything. I general, I almost every day. Um, and the reason why is because uh, when I'm doing role play, people meta stuff all the time. And so in character, I have to... Um, act out like i don't really know what has happened or whatever um sometimes i do a really good job at that and then sometimes you know people just you know it just gets spoiled so i've been having to do that more and more and more over the last year and a bit simply because you can't act on meta and people just ruin things so you just got to kind of you know put put more of a face on for the people that are in inside the game opposed to myself on my stream um, as for other stuff, I can honestly say like when I've done playthroughs and things and people are like, Jeff, what are you doing? Like, I'm legitimately like stupid. Like I, uh, I legitimately miss things, um, and, 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 and fuck up. Um, there's been a couple of times in Starcraft games where I kind of saw certain things happening and, you know, kind of acted like I was more surprised than what I was because I'm putting on a show. Mm. Uh, but you know that's not like an everyday thing and and sometimes you got to i didn't i didn't go into a starcraft cast or anything faking the whole thing it's not like i watched the replay i knew exactly what was going on all the time but i had a good idea um a lot of the time so yeah that's that's about as far as i would take it uh yeah in starcraft only a handful of times did we do that for the sake of the of the content um to like for to make something funnier than it might have been otherwise, um, and it, and even then it was only quite literally only a handful uh, of times that we ever did that. Um, and as far as, stre- as as streaming goes, I can't think of anything off the top of my head where I did it for the sake of the content. Uh, I think what people just speak to you know where like it irks them when somebody misses something obvious on screen. So I think what some people fail to realize is just how split your attention is when you're live streaming or even just locally recording a game uh, versus playing it by yourself on the couch or whatever at your computer. Uh, It's a, it is a, you wouldn't think it would be a huge difference, but it is a fucking enormous, like it's, there is a chasm in between playing on your own and live streaming or creating content at the same time. Um, And it's something that you will never understand until you actually do it yourself. Um, 
And that's all, I, I mean, that's as complicated as it gets. I mean, I, I, I have played games, like, oh, so here's an example. I have played and beaten games offline in my past, uh, before I became a streamer, that I went back and played for content as a streamer years later. And struggle bust as a streamer where I didn't have any issues when I first played the game. Uh, or I had more issues where I didn't necessarily the first time. The And it could be for any number of reasons. If you have any amount of viewers, you are constantly uh, looking to see uh, the chat. You're interacting with people there. Uh, subs, resubs, any tips, new followers coming in. You're trying to respond to that stuff. The simple thought that even a single person that you can't see the reaction of is watching you play a game is enough to fuck you right up. It's, it's why, it's why sometimes people like underestimate, um, professional athletes fucking up on the grand stage. If you go and you play a sport in front of an arena of 30,000 people, there is an innate amount of pressure involved there that isn't there without 30,000 people watching you. Yep. Playing a game, especially something that has puzzles or something like that, where you know as well people are going to be critically evaluating your ability to fucking do a puzzle in a video game uh, while you're doing it, is uh, enough to fucking break a person's mind, honest to fuck. I've played a lot of puzzle games on stream and I, I, I don't do them as often as I would because people are so fucking ridiculous about the shit. If you don't see, like some people, if you don't see some, something that they consider obvious immediately, the speed in which they jump down your throat in chat is fucking incalculable. I, it's, it's nuts. Well, not only that, it's it's you also have hundreds and in some cases thousands or tens of thousands of people watching. Somebody's going to figure it out before you. Before you. And then, you know, everybody will just jump on, you know, one person going to say it, then everybody's going to say it. Um, you know, not only that, it's it's just not as easy as what people think trying to you're you're also worried about like oh shit you know am i looking dumb here like uh, is it you know and then you start over guessing and over analyzing and, and things because you know you've got people sort of watching you it's kind of like um you know uh having somebody like fucking i don't know since i make sex references say say you're 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 smashing some chick right and you're you're beating it up you're just killing it and then you take the same scenario but now you know that there's a couple people peeking through voyeur style watching you and you know they're there. Well, in your mind, is my form right? Am I doing this right? Maybe, you know, I don't like people watching me. Maybe you go limp. You know, there's just something psychologically that happens when you know people are watching you under any circumstance. You know, some people rise to the occasion when they have people watching them. You know, some people like in sports. When all the pressure's on them and all the weight and they know the world is watching them in this very moment, that's when they shine. That's when they clutch it. And then there's other people, when it comes, when it's that time, they crumble. And under, un, and under any normal circumstance, it'd be a walk in the park for them. 
So it's the it's sort of the the that's just how it is. That's just how it is. It's um yeah, it's it's crazy. Even if I'm watching another streamer, like let's say um play Warzone, and you're watching somebody play Warzone and they somehow miss an enemy on screen. And I don't mean they miss with their gun, but I mean they literally pan across the screen and they don't yeah. see an enemy, uh, which happens frequently, and then they get killed. Um, I will watch my own VODs of me playing, like let's say, Warzone, and that exact thing will happen. Where, uh, or not even my own VODs, because then it can be like, I've already seen it, or I already know about it. But I watch other people, and it is impressive... When all you have to do is not play the game, but watch it, it's impressive how much more, because your brain has more fucking time to process what it's seeing, how much more you will notice, find detail, and be able to think about those things when you're not playing the game outright. And I think the last piece to it that I'd, uh, that I'd uh, mention is that people really and truly look back when they've beaten a game by themselves in a fucking, they're like, whatever, doing their own thing. Don't remember the times they've struggled in the game and they just went, I beat it, it's done, and they know yeah. the answers and now it's a problem. Yeah. Um. It's, it's, a, it's a wild phenomenon. You just won't know what it's like until you've done it. Um... And the worst thing that you can do, at least in my stream, is to start fucking backseating or pointing the shit out. Because at the end of the day as well, something that people don't understand is that everyone's brain fucking operates and problem solves differently. The streamer you're watching could be able to solve certain, and I'm not just talking about puzzle games, but just any kind of, of problem solving. Even in a shooter, there's problem solving. There is, how do they, how do they see the field how do they move how do they position what are they gonna like they're uh, all that shit some people operate or everyone operates differently and they might operate differently than you um just because they don't get a very specific problem solving thing that you think is obvious and you've already yourself decided that you figured it out doesn't mean that that they're fucking stupid or that they should be getting it faster they could turn around and do something that you didn't see the solution to, and they've done it in like yeah. two seconds, but you don't register yourself, oh, I'm an idiot. You don't even think about that shit. You just focus on when the streamer is being slow about something that you notice that you haven't been. So um, it was like it was like people, for me, I'll use this example before moving on to the last question. Uh, it was like when when I was playing Paper Mario just recently, and all the combat is just they're all puzzles basically where you're shifting rings or spinning them to line up the enemies. And it combines the two forms of puzzle that my brain is literally the opposite of it. Does we'll never see it. Doesn't matter how easy it is. It just doesn't fucking happen. And it was driving people fucking wild in chat. And they said, Adam, how in the fuck do you waltz through mist and riven in one sitting or beat Rama in a single night and do base seven math in your head, but you can't fucking spin a ring two times and slide a fucking piece once to line up some enemies in a child's Paper Mario game. I said, because my brain doesn't fucking work like that shit. <laughs> it just go. doesn't do it. That's why. And some people are like that. And if you put them in the opposite positions, they'll do the opposite as well. 
So remember that all of them fucking everyone operates differently and don't get too fucking worked up about it because odds are just it could be any one of the things we just talked about. Um, Volkus asked the house talk last week made me curious. What's your opinions on tiny homes? You know, like the HGTV tiny homes thing. I'm sure you've seen that a few times. Not for me. I mean, I couldn't live like that, but. Listen, if somebody can live in a 400 square foot or 250 square foot box um, and you're going to save a bajillion dollars and that's your thing, go for it. I think tiny homes are very hipstery. You know, you got to be a a certain type of breed uh, to live that type of minimalistic life. And shout out to the ones that can. I mean, fuck, uh, if only I could have that much zero fucks, um, <laughs> you know, I, if a lot of people could could think like that and live like that, the world would be a better place. But um, there are some really nice ones that you can get. You can build them. I mean, you can build an extremely nice little mini little mini house or whatever they call those things um, for like 30, 40 grand, like a like a really nice one. Some people get crazy. They spend like 80,000 bucks on on a little tiny thing. And it's just like, you know, they've got all the crazy amenities that a $400,000 house would have, but they got it in a, in a place the size of the small, a lot of them smaller in this room. Yeah. Uh, no joke. Yeah. Like actually smaller, uh, like half the size. I just couldn't, I've, I'm too claustrophobic. I would not be able to uh, wake up ducked you know, and, and basically sit at my dinner table while taking a piss and hitting the toilet. I just, I just couldn't do that myself, but if you can, you can save some money, go for it. The only reason I would ever do it would be if I was able to move the house around. If you're going to stick a tiny home on a property, it's probably not going to happen for me. Uh, but if you make it mobile in some way, then I could, I could like, you know, move a couple times a year. I'm not saying like travel around fucking daily, but like move a couple times a year and take the house with me and just experience different, uh, you know, get the seasons in different places and whatever I wanted to do. Then I could, I could see it. An RV. I'd, I'd just buy it. Yeah. Nice it's like an, it's an, well, RV problem with an RV is that for a tiny home, an RV, you're looking at like 130,000 fucking dollars. So like, it's a little bit more challenging, but I couldn't do that for long periods of time myself. Uh, I, I mean, I'm just too big for a fucking tiny home flat out. It's just not going to happen. I, I'd, my shoulders would be touching the opposite walls. I just could not possibly operate inside of a tiny home. Um, yeah. So uh, props to those who can do it. Huge money saver. A lot of people, because of the environment of work these days, you're only watching some TV and sleeping in your fucking house anyway. You're not yep. using... 3,000 square feet of your fucking home. So just, if you're, if you're going to only use two rooms in your house, why not do a fucking tiny home if you can bear it? And then yep. go from there. Um, oh, oh, and follow up for you, Jeff, from Volkus as well. Uh, I keep getting asked about HUDs, head-up displays, when I'm at car shows. I don't have any experience with them, so I'm curious how you view them. Uh, is a HUD a must-have or is it more of a cool toy that's nice to have? Uh, it's a cool toy that that's nice to have. It's definitely not a must. Um, I'll never buy another car that doesn't have one. Now that I've had one, it's 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 one of those things that like it's like a really good accessory to uh, whatever. Um, 
I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, whatever. I'm trying to think of a, a good analogy um, that I could use. It's, it's essentially, um, it's a convenience thing. It's when I'm driving my car and I don't have to look down and I can keep my eyes on the road at all times and see my speed. Um, or you can also, with my HUD, can also change it so that it tells you what street you're on. So you have your GPS on your HUD as well. And the great thing about the way it's the way it's set up is it doesn't detract from, at least for me, and I haven't heard of anybody that's had this problem, of your ability to focus on the road. It's one of those things that like, you're not, you don't even notice when you're not looking for it. So it's, it's, it's one of those things that like, um, it's like a, like a camera and you're, you're doing a portrait selfie and your, 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 your main focus is your face, but everything else in the background is just blurred. You don't even notice that it's there until you know, until you want to see it. And then it becomes in focus. So it's nice. And, um, you know, you can change the brightness of it. Um, you can change how much they put on the screen or how little. So uh, if it's an option, take it. It's it's definitely a bonus. And if you don't like it, there's just a button. You just turn it off and on. It's it's really that it's really that simple. I think most cars are going to have it. A lot of cars are are have them now. Yeah. Uh, I would say, like you know, as cars keep technology keeps going it's just going to come standard it's almost like a backup camera right or yeah. or heated seats. it's like you don't need it but why not i uh yeah i i've only driven a couple of cars that have had it and i'm not like a huge fan uh of it personally i i can see why people would um would like them but it's not something i'm a big fan of personally uh even though even though like jeff said when you're not focusing on them it's it's not really uh, obtrusive to your view of the road. I'm somebody that wants quite literally nothing between my eyeballs and the road other than that windshield. I don't want, mm-hmm. I don't want anything else. Um, it's for the same reason that one of the biggest selling points for any car for me is blind spots. I don't, I like, I, you're not going to see me buy a car where if I look over my shoulder, I'm looking for, I'm looking through a, a, a rear window that's four inches tall uh, that's fucking like up, like up above your, your field of view, uh, or looking out through a rear view window where there's a spoiler that takes up 85% of your fucking rear view mirror. It's just like defeats the purpose of even having the rear view mirror in the first place. Um, yeah. it's just, that's, that's, I, I would, I value vision over all else. So while it does have its uses for sure, in terms of like Jeff said as well, with, with heads up using, street names or doing GPS work and stuff like that. I think that's probably, um, something I, I would, I could see myself possibly wanting to use it for, because if I'm going to look at a GPS screen, it might as well be in a heads up display, but for everything else, my speedometer, all that other fuck, no, fuck all that shit. Fuck off my screen. I can look at the fucking speedometer, not even three inches below the fucking heads up display. I don't need to see it on my windscreen, my, my windshield. So, uh, yeah, that would be, that would be it for me. It also looks badass too. Like when you're, you know, when you, you see the speed, like, you know, you can change whatever you want on there and it just looks nice, especially lit up at night. And during the day when it's super bright, you still see it perfectly. It's like, I don't know how they did this technology, but uh, it works. It's magic. All right. I need food, brother. Yep. I need. I'm it's the last. It's the last one. And it's a very quick one, Jeff. 
Danish Devil asks, would you rather have to listen to phone hold music or baby songs for one whole day? Say that one more time. Would you rather listen to phone hold music, so the the music they tend to make you listen to when you're on hold, when you call somewhere, or baby music for one whole day? Phone hold music. I'm telling you guys, when you get a baby, all right? And you hear this fucking shit, it's it's like nails on a chalkboard. Yep. The phone hold music, it's one of those things that you can just zone out. Disappears it, into the background. You don't even notice it anymore. The baby music, you notice it all the time. It doesn't go away. Baby shark. And none of it makes sense. It's dumb. It's annoying. The people that are singing it can't even fucking sing. It's just bad. I'd much, much rather listen to the fucking on-hold or elevator music all day. In fact, some elevator and on-hold music ain't all that bad. You find yourself like, you know, just jamming out, and then it just fades off in the background. You don't know you're listening to it anymore. That's an easy one. That's exactly my response. Fuck, baby music is awful in every capacity. There's no use for it. I will not play baby music for my child. They will listen to literally anything. I will put on fucking... Beethoven before or Brahms fit before I put on Baby Shark for fuck no stop stop and just like I'll put the stop button on Baby Shark we're putting the stop button on this podcast ladies and gentlemen it's another week of Technical Alpha in the bag thank you so much for stopping by and watching this live on Twitch if you can it's twitch.tv slash technical alpha if you want to catch this live at any point in time or you can head on over and hit the bell and join the bell gang youtube.com slash Lag TV or Life's a Glitch TV and uh, and get in on that so that you can uh, hit the like button and add a comment in the first hour of all these videos going up goes a long way to help us. And if you want to help us financially like uh, many others have and continue to because they're gods, you can head on over to patreon.com slash lag TV to do just that. We will see you guys next week. Thank you once again. And uh, until we do see you, have a good one and peace. Peace.